Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Number 216, I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rich. Do we what call do it the Christmas special or no? Or I don't know what's Christmassy about <clears throat> it. Well, and I, and also, I kind of feel like we blew our load our first Christmas year. Like, because we talked about everything, like Christmas when we were kids, the, the Star Wars Christmas special. Like, what is there really to talk about this year? Oh, hey, it's Christmas again. Yay. <laughs> hey, it's Star Wars season again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've all seen it. We we can start with that. Well, you know, let's let's get to that because there's some st- the, some news that happened this week, and I, I, I'm sure you guys are all excited to do your taxes next year. Now, oh yeah, you're gonna be paying so much less money. You know, well, now, let's just face it: nobody has any idea what it's gonna fucking look like, right? We've seen, we've heard talk about so many different versions of this bill that was going to be passed. And they've had to go back and, and, and rewrite it. We don't know exactly how this is going to affect the middle class. We do know for a fact that all the, uh, that the uh, tax breaks that affect citizens and not business, businesses, those are going to expire by 2025, which conveniently you know, allows the Republicans to, what they hope is to uh, retain their, uh, their majority in leadership for the next X number of years. But well, they're being awfully presumptuous about 2018. They are. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, who like that that's the funny thing too is that nobody is really going to see what this looks like unless they sit down and do the math on it until they do their 2018 taxes, right? Everyone's talking about how, well, in the Trump administration, about this is going to be great for uh, so much money going back to the middle class and how it's going to help us and all this shit. We have no idea. We're going to, when we do our, our taxes in, you know, most of us to wait until April to do them, we're doing this year's taxes under the old tax plan. It doesn't go into effect immediately. And I don't understand why they had to push this thing through to rush it through. To completely ignore the fact that we're, they were coming up on a deadline for funding the government, you know, all they did was put together a vote that allowed them to push it off until January, on that, so that we so that we didn't have to shut down the government. That's what they should have been working on this whole time, but instead they're pushing through a tax bill that is looking to be one of the most unpopular pieces of legislation in modern history. Well, I think if <clears throat> if anything. That Trump as a president has proven he don't really give a fuck what's popular. He's if he wants it, he wants it. He that that may be his only saving grace if you wanted to consider him at all to be some sort of leader. Uh, the the fact that it, the idea I don't I wouldn't even say it's a fact. The idea that he has a plan and he's going to enact this. And he's not going to be swayed by polls. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a tightrope that you walk as a, when you're in politics, right? 
the idea is that you're electing a leader, somebody who makes decisions and acts those, but you're also looking for a representative. So there has to be input from the people. I mean, if if 80% of the nation doesn't want this tax bill, if 80% of the nation doesn't want you to do anything with net neutrality, it, how can you still call yourself a representative of, of the country if you're completely ignoring that? And I could, almost, I could almost forgive it if it was part of a bigger master plan. Like maybe, the, sure, the tax bill is part of a bigger plan, but that's really just to uh, enrich companies that, uh, that pay politicians millions of dollars and to, uh, with this idea of, of stimulating the economy like it needs it, at the you know the the economy has been doing great so far. Like Trump talks about it all the time. Oh, record numbers in the Nasdaq and uh, you know lowest unemployment ever. Well, look, this is all due to policies that were put into action the eight years prior. But yeah, I mean, if it was, don't tell Donnie that. I mean, oh yeah, okay. So Trump is willing to do the unpopular thing. Yeah, or maybe he's just doesn't mind uh, a lot of controversy as long as it's not controversy over his ties to Russia. Well, I think that no matter what, it, the fact that he's gone against the majority and the majority, at least the numbers we have placed, even part of his 32% who approve of the job he's doing, still disapprove of some moves he's made. Right. Any Anybody in his campaign, when he goes up for re-election, who tries to claim that he's some sort of populist candidate, needs to be dick-slapped real hard in the face. I mean, it's just, that's all there is to it. This is the antithesis of what a fucking populist candidate does. Right. You are not of the people for the people you do what the fuck you want that's a loose cannon that's someone going off the reservation that's not someone who's beholden to the people who put them in office and I, how anyone who's voted for him thinks that that in the end he actually gives a fuck about you i mean i don't think most i don't think 99.9 percent .9 of politicians give a fuck about their constituents but he really doesn't give a fuck and goes out of his way to prove it constantly i was gonna say it's to be fair, I think that's any president. I think Obama gave a fuck about anybody. No, you think? Yeah, got but no, I I believe <laughs> I do believe that we've had earnest leaders that that care about the American people. Donald Trump isn't one of those. I I, I mean. I agree with you because you, no matter you, how misguided I feel George Bush or W was, I still think. Especially it coming his view on life coming from his born again Christian viewpoints. Mm -hmm. I don't think of all his problems, sincerity was one of them. I don't think so at all. I, I and I think that my biggest beef about uh, about Bush was that he believed a lot of the sh the crazy shit that he was saying. Exactly, he believed, he believed it he too be much. He believed it earnestly. Like I think that even those those. You know, thirty-two odd percent of people who are still Strategic. backing Trump in the polls. Um, I would imagine a majority of those people don't even believe that Trump gives a shit about them. It's because there's such a, they 
the issues that they vote on are so narrow to the expense of the things that could actually help them. You know, they're, they're voting on religious issues, on abortion, on less people of different color coming over into, into our country. You know, they're not voting on the, on the fact that, well, Donald Trump understands me and is going to look out for me. They, no, and, and it, I think that, that goes back to something we've talked about from time to time, anytime we've discussed his orange majesty, which is a, a lot of people who supported Trump, it wasn't they supported Trump. They felt it, it was just a big middle finger to Obama. Yes. It was pure spite and pettiness that they voted for the man. And I, I can understand voting against someone more so than I can understand putting someone who has no track record, proved himself to be a liar. This is the thing. He lies about such petty shit constantly. We don't even get rattled by it anymore. Mm. I mean, that's that we have. It's, it's just like the, if you've ever had that one friend who's a pathological liar, who you just have given up trying to, to call him on his shit. Right. That's that's Trump. You know, he's the guy that he he's he's the one upper. You tell a story about, you know, getting drunk and puking in a litter box and he's gotta tell you about the time he ate cat turds out of one drunk. Right. You know, I mean <laughs> Well, you know, he's not he's not a good liar though. And and here's what I mean. The lies the the big lies that he tells, it's not about whether he believes what he's saying or not. He is j- simply regurgitating things that his team is telling him, right? He is he's just running on talking points. When he speaks off the cuff, he actually kind of tells the truth, even in situations where he should. I mean, going back to, uh, I forget what, what who he was being interviewed by after he... Uh, fired Comey and they asked him about what's what was your thought process how you know why did you let Comey go oh you know I was thinking about the whole Russia thing and how that was uh you know all a bunch of lies and like (laughs) this is the this is the point where he should be lying the same way that he was lying in that the whole White House was lying about the reasons and how it came about that Comey was fired and he completely blew that out of the water by speaking the truth off the cuff. So he he's a he's a liar in the fact that he's a vessel to be filled with talking points to go spit out. I wish he would do more one-on-one interviews because he can't keep up those lies when he's just when he's speaking off script. I don't he can't even keep track of of all the lies that he's being filled with. Well, even the one-on-one interviews I've seen, he he falls back into the, you know, he says a subject comes up and he does the classic, you know, Tai Chi move of going, yeah, very interesting question. Anyways, my te- my, my health plan is going to be the greatest health plan ever. It's going to be the best. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I get the non-answer answer that politicians mm-hmm. do a lot of times. Anytime you Anytime you hear these words, that's a really great question, or I'm glad you asked that question. You're about to be Tai chi into a different subject. Right. Yeah, because that's Trans- that, that, translation. We, I'm I not going to answer your question. Yeah, it means I got yeah. nothing. I'm going to direct the conversation back to where I want to talk about, you know, and he does it, and I think because 
we're so conditioned in this country when it comes to media to not I, I respect for the office maybe like we yeah. expect not not necessarily that it's true respect but to at least give the appearance of respect that for well, a true journalist to go wait a minute mr president that's not what i asked you i don't right. care about your health care plan answer the question would be i mean scandalous i mean it'd just be like oh my god right he, and, he and disrespected the president this is a hole that modern journalism has dug for itself. And I don't I don't know if it's so much about respect as it is about access. You know, you want to be seen as being fair and balanced and treating everyone uh, equally so that you can have access to all these politicians that you want to have on, on your show. And if you're trying to shout them down and calling them a liar, they're not going to come back on your show. And eventually ratings will go down, you'll get fired, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's with this idea of with continued mutual, some sort of respect, but really it's just about continued access to these people. And now when somebody does actually put the pressure on and say, wait a minute, I'm going to ask you this question again because you didn't answer it. And we're going to keep at, I'm going to keep asking this question, even if it takes the rest of this interview, then that person is labeled as some crazy wacko journalist with an agenda that's out of control. Exactly. Cause you know what I'm thinking of the, wasn't it Chris, you might, you might remember this. Uh, wasn't it after the super bowl? That Obama gave a one-on-one -on -one interview with Bill O'Reilly at one point. I, when he, I mean, this was after he was elected, I believe. That sounds familiar. Um, I could never see Trump sitting down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Bill Maher or Rachel, Rachel Maddow. No, that that wouldn't happen. Exa exactly. Not even like not even Lawrence O'Donnell. So the fact that you know Obama, knowing how uh, you know, essentially walking into the lion's den of Fox. And this isn't just because it's Obama. That, that I'm just saying, as a, as a as a sitting president, to give a one-on-one -on -one interview with a news organization whose entire platform is to tear you down, that takes balls big enough to come in a dump truck. And I just don't think Trump's got fucking sack like that. I, because, like you said, he would fall apart under questioning if someone yeah. pressed him. I mean, I've seen interviews about other subjects that are nowhere near as important as the shit that, he, that he's got his fingers in now, and he's got up and walked out. You know, interview over. I don't have time to talk about this. However he states it, he just says something, cuts him off, and gets up and walks. And if he did that as president... You are fake news. I, I, can't, I We think the clusterfuck of him, you know, declaring Jerusalem the the what do you call it the capital of israel and the right. un voting to basically be like yeah well you're an idiot because we don't agree with you right which they if knew would happen and they would never have to act on it and it was all just a distraction and, and but i mean like the 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 fact that there's that many people there's that many other countries because it's like a hundred countries that voted like we don't give a fuck what you got to say right we would be even more of a laughing stock that we elected this man and god forbid if we reelected him and i mean there's all oh, i i think you know, aside from what he does within the United States, 
I don't know how much like equity we've built up with the world to put up with his horse shit. I mean, I, I, especially around the time of the Iraq war starting, I remember a lot of people from overseas, people in the BBC going, how much, how much bullshit are we going to let America get away with before we fucking put our foot down? And I mean, ultimately nothing came of it. But even that wasn't as divisive as he is as president. I mean, you know, going to war, you had people protesting, you know, the Iraq war, people protesting it, where's the weapons of mass destruction, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, Trump's mere existence as president, I think, equals the divisiveness in the country we had at that point. Just the fact that he's president, and then he opens his mouth, and it just gets worse. Mm. You know, Al Franken had his, uh, his last speech as a senator today. I watched it before we started recording, and he talks about, well, basically the state of our politics and our disregard for the truth, and she wraps it up by saying if there's any way out of this hole, it's only going to be with the well-informed populace, that people making smart, well-informed decisions as to who they vote for is the only thing that can turn this tide. So, I, I mean... It seemed like a slim hope. It's talking to the wrong country. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily bet on that happening. Hey, here's two things wrong with your speech, Al. Because you can, you know, the the idea that people can't follow this the the information here that it's so blatant. White House has a talking point. They give it to Fox and Friends. Fox and Friends broadcasts it. The president watches it. And then the president tweets it out. And people go, well, there you go. There's your multiple sources right there. This must be true. The White House, the president, and Fox and Friends all all said that this was true. I mean, if you can't see through that, then there's no hope for you (laughs) actually finding the truth. You're a lazy, uninformed voter. You know, I, 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 I kind of wonder how much, when you, uh, well, I, I guess I should say this first. When you sent that uh, uh, USA Today article, and you were like, how are we supposed to take it seriously? When oh, they right. can't even the, proofread their shit? Right, it was uh, the one about the Papa John CEO getting fired. Yeah. And it had, well, let's see, I can bring up the exact... Uh, it reads like a bad Chinese translation or translation of it, or not Chinese, but a bad translation of a Japanese video game to English. <laughs> right. It says, uh, let's see, Shat- Shatter, who, Schnatter, his name's Schnatter, who, Schnatter. Founded pizza, who founded the pizza chain in 1984, will remain as chairman of the board. No immediate reason was given for his decision, which takes effect January 1st. He is being replaced. CEO is company president Steve Ritchie. So, I mean, clearly <laughs> when they were writing that, they were looking for maybe there was a change in tense or, or something. There was, there was basically two different ways that sentence could go, and it, went, it tried to go both, and nobody caught it. Yeah, because that's one, that's one sentence. There's no, there's no, he is being replaced. CEO is company. There's no comma there or nothing. Right. It's right, just straight out of punctuation. <laughs> but guys, it takes so much time to read what you're typing. Right. So, I mean, I don't... You want me to take an extra that, like, 30 seconds to read it before I send it to my editor? I got shit to do, man. 
Okay, well, what the fuck that. is the editor's I mean, that, job? Yeah, right. The, the editor and the proofreader and everything. Like, if these things aren't even being proofread properly for for USA Today, I mean, a decades-old institution in news. We, I, the reason I, I I I brought it up is because I flashed when I when I read that and I read your comment about it. I flashed to an interview that I I, I watched a couple of years ago with David Simon and. Mm-hmm. He used to work uh, for the Baltimore the Sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he used to work for the Baltimore Sun. And they, this interview was talking about the decline of journalism in this country. And this was like, and I think during like the last season of The Wire, so 2008. And he said one of right. the things that, that, get, that, that made him leave journalism was the fact that they would come to work and there would be buyouts and staff cuts but yet the company was still profitable. And he actually put this scene in in The Wire at one point where the editor-in-chief was like, I have a question. Why are we cutting staff when the company's still profitable? Yep. And he got a complete non-answer, which was something like, you know, well, we just want you to understand that we're committed to the highest form of journalism and excellence. This will not affect our end and finished product. And it's, you know, it's it's it's... It's a, it's a it's a politician answer. It's a non-answer, and he he said I word for word, word put that in there, and I just I I have to wonder if the, the the constant chasing of profit in the news industry has given us this fucked up fourth estate we got that just that has hardly any credibility anymore. And then you just had you 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 know you have that those coals that are glowing red hot, and then Trump throws kerosene on it and forget it, it's over with. Because I think it's, it's safe to say the one thing his, his, Trump has done better than any politician I can remember in my lifetime is cast doubt on the media completely. Not just on the media that is, like, quote-unquote, against him, but almost all media. Mm-hmm. To where even if Fox came out and they had, a, like, in, in nine out of ten stories... We're just singing his praises, but one story was was somewhat critical, even if it was constructive. He would just point at it and go fake news, and his and his his disciples would just go, "Yep, fake news." Yeah, that's it. Well, because I think we've ch- kind of changed the definition of integrity in this nation. We see integrity as the integrity comes from the lone man willing to stand his ground and never apologizing. So he must always be right. And when a newspaper publishes a story and has to retract something, when they, you know, or when they get something wrong and have to print a story saying, we're sorry for this, we let our readers down, that's not integrity. That, I mean, that is integrity to me. Somebody who's willing to own up to their mistakes because mistakes are going to happen. Look, I'm not saying that whoever wrote this USA Today story needs to be fired. Because this shit happens, and it's not even on them. Again, it's on the copywriter. This this shit should be caught. But, you know, here and there, this shit will go out. Whether it's a typo or a complete factual error, integrity is owning up to it. Yes. But now we see owning up to it as a sign of weakness, and we've applied integrity to the man who never says that he's wrong. That's I'm, being not just, I'm not just talking Trump here. I'm talking politicians in general. Yeah, and that's so being stubborn. Really, that's not right, I, being integritous. That's being I should, fucking stubborn. I, I shouldn't even say man, because this isn't 
uh, equality that is exclusive to Trump or male politi- politicians or even Republicans. This is a quality that that we apparently want. We want two things out of our politicians. We want to have a beer with them, and we <laughs> want them to never say that they're wrong. We have low standards for our politicians. We, we really do. And, and yet we laugh at like countries like Italy. I, I think that, and this is, this is, I think indecis- we don't want an indecisive leader. And just because I don't want an indecisive leader doesn't mean I, 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 I want a leader who always thinks every decision they made was the perfect, best, most wonderful decision ever. Right. I, I mean, it's just, that's, that's right. ridiculous. People are looking at it like those are two sides of the same coin, and they're not. Those are two completely separate issues. Being decisive in the moment when when it's called for has nothing to do with your long-term integrity. Exactly. I mean, it, indecision in a battlefield will cost you more lives usually than a bad decision. Because if you hesitate, you're fucked. But that's and, not that's not how politicians that's not where politicians should take their cue from is military leaders going i'm going to make a decision because if i if i think about it we're going to be overrun and maybe this is all fallout (laughs) no pun intended from the nuclear age from this idea that we have to elect a, a leader who can make that decision on the spot they have six minutes to decide, you know, what happens when there's when we find that there's missiles in the air from from North Korea. <laughs> there's six minutes where we have to decide, and we need a leader that can make that decision and stick to it. And you know that that's that's a big part of why Trump got elected too. People didn't think that Hillary or just a woman could even make that decision. That you had to have a strong, even if he's not right all the time. He's going to be able to make that decision in a pinch. He won't have his period clouding up his it's thinking. Like, it's like we're electing a quarterback, not a leader. Yeah? You know, I, just, I, I, just, I just want to say something real quick. I, I think Actually, most of our quarterbacks are probably more well-qualified. <laughs> uh, CTE. Well, they are mostly white guys, too. <laughs> you got that going for them. <laughs> Like I, I, I just want to add real quick. I have no doubt that there is a large group of people who are like, I don't trust a woman in power, and that's just how yeah. they look at it. Yeah. But I think there's a, a, a. I would hope, and I know amongst my friends, that most of them at least say they feel this way as well. It's not necessarily after after you after a politician reaches a certain amount of power. I don't even consider whether they're male or female. I start to consider whether they're bullshit artists or not. Whether whether the, the, the weight of the decisions they make is going to weigh on their mind or they're the type of they're they're like a, a, a Nixon. I mean if 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 you look at even I mean look at Clinton, Bush, Carter wasn't in office long enough to, to show signs of, of the stress getting to him. But um I mean, if you look at presidents that have served two terms, you look at their first presidential portrait versus their last one, they age like 15, 20 years in the span of eight oh, years. Oh, yeah. Look at Barry. Look at Barry yeah. in 08. Look at Barry in 16. 
I want, and it's fucked that up. Black as cracked thing. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it creased. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think you just made up a new term. Black don't crack; it creases. Creases. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, oh, as 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 you know, maybe as fucked up as it sounds, I want someone who has the weight of those decisions to weigh on them. I don't want someone who's, you know, cavalier and flip with these decisions. And once they make a decision, it's done, it's over with, whatever, I'm moving on. Because the the office of the presidency should be in some form a sacrifice. Yes. It is, is a difficult and often thankless job. And that's the nature of it. And I, you know, to speak to your reversing yourself, I, you know, because of my <laughs> limited American public school education, I, I can only go so far back in history, even in our own country, before it's like, uh, I don't know what those presidents did. I couldn't tell you what fucking Garfield did if you put a gun to my head, but uh, I can tell you that Kennedy hates Mondays, loves lasagna, <laughs> puts up with Odie. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I can tell you that Kennedy took massive amounts of criticism, hatred for the Bay of Pigs situation and was seen as soft on communism because he didn't rush into war, because right. he pulled back. Yep. Yeah, and, I mean, you could you could say that that's where the, uh, the Democrats being chicken shit all started. This idea that if we were going to be in some sort of conflict, we need a strong Republican that's going to lead us. Which is ironic because I believe the biggest troop buildup once we were in Vietnam came under LBJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the one that doubled down on it and was like, I, we're not pulling out. No way. We're going to stay the course. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I couldn't tell you exactly what he said, but, I, you know. Well, you know, it was, <laughs> it was also LBJ that was trying to come to peace talks i mean he understood that 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 there was a if there was a war to be fought it needed to be fought in a way where they felt like they could win it but i mean i don't know if you guys are aware of the story of how nixon achieved the presidency it was through back channel manipulations to vietnam over their uh the status of of peace negotiations nixon's campaign went to uh went to the Vietnamese and said, hey, don't talk to LBJ about this shit. Don't talk to the Democrats about this shit. They're going to give you a raw deal. Wait till I'm in power. Then we'll iron all this out. Now, if that sounds innocuous enough and just politics, imagine that at the same time, you're shoveling thousands of bodies into a furnace. You're sending America's kids over to just be murdered. Day yeah, and that makes day, me- thousands of them while this is going on. Is, oh, there's plenty. Oh, just just hold on. I'll, I'm going to get into office on the platform that only I can stop the war, and I'm going to prove it by by manipulating the current uh, proposed peace talks. See, and that makes me wonder if that's what was the catalyst for Johnson's, you know, infamous quote: "Why should I send American boys halfway across the globe to die for something?" Vietnamese boys should be fighting for if they want so bad, you know. And I'm I'm paraphrasing it to an extent, right, but I mean, yeah. I I, I kind of wonder if he knew about the back channel 
bullshit really nothing he could do and i mean his party had already basically said yeah you're not running again i mean it was he was a lame duck president at that point right so i mean you know it was uh oh shit my god my history teacher would kick my ass i can't remember who ran against nixon in 68 but it wasn't wasn't lbj oh no uh nobody remembers the also ran mcgovern oh yeah oh was it george mcgovern i've been (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was from the, the the Nixon head from Futurama <laughs> when, he, when he fucks up his big uh, tax plan. He's like, "Oh, what a McGovern I've been!" <laughs> oh. Okay, but now we're just digging back into history. We kind of got off track here. I wanted to. We were we were talking about how uh, there's there's a good part of the population that just wouldn't have voted for a woman, right? And now we see that there's like a good part of the women in this country that just can't support a woman in power because Meryl Streep is now being the target. I mean, in posters, there's posters of her of the infamous photo standing next to Harvey Weinstein with the bar over her eyes that says. Uh, I think it says hashtag me too or something or hashtag I knew or something like that. Basically saying that she's culpable, that she, she helped. I don't know (laughs) that she, I don't even know what the claim here is because she didn't say anything because she gave him the idea about masturbating into potted plants. She was like, Oh no, women really dig that back into a corner. Well, don't you remember her big public divorce from Harvey Weinstein when they were married? Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> no, no. If she was married to him, then she could be a victim. Ah, uh, it's it's, eh. it's it's more of the, the we talked about before the show. the The liberal snake is now eating so much of its tail; it's back to the head and doesn't think anything's going on. What? What? It's uh, it's 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 just exhausting at this point. It's well, it's, yeah, because well, look. How Hollywood is acting is kind of everything that is embodying everything that is wrong with the left right now. Yes. Yeah, the idea that, well, the same thing I said earlier before we we started recording. There's not going to be some perfect leader that floats up out of the crowd. The clouds are going to part and a sunbeam (laughs) is going to shine down on somebody. And they're just going to be this like perfect person with no personal scandal who's brown <laughs> right that that will be the the anti-trump they don't have genitals you just have a smooth mound right <laughs> i think the anti-trump was the previous 44 presidents <laughs> yeah that's right. what i think so what but, you're saying but, but, is if but, we if but, we want to if we want to get trump out of office we better start growing test tube babies now <laughs> Well, you know, jokes aside, it's kind of hard to have an anti-Trump when Trump was basically elected as the anti-Obama. How many antis are we going to stack on top of each other? Because eventually you're going to come full circle. You're going to be right back where you you started. Well, the other day I was listening to um, Lawrence O'Donnell being interviewed by Penn Jillette on his podcast. And Lawrence O'Donnell said that almost every vote is an anti-vote in some way. All the Hillary votes were anti-Trump votes. All the Trump votes were 
anti-Hillary votes. I mean, that's a broad generalization, but you get the idea. Yeah. And that, and that, that, that isn't a, a new phenomenon either. That basically what motivates people to get out and vote Coming up. is, is being angry at the idea that, uh, that, that somebody else is going to get into office and that would just drive them nuts. Oh, definitely. And I, I, and I think I, maybe there's a cynicism to that, certainly, but it does support the idea that there isn't going to be, you know, a perfect candidate, a perfect president. Well, don't tell them that. But it, yeah, I mean, if we, if we continually, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to decide collectively or just as an individual even what you're willing to put up with. You know, if you have a, a zero tolerance policy on everything, then you will never find a candidate that you feel is worthy of your vote. And you'll, you'll continue to, uh, well, like, I don't understand. Where is all this self-righteousness coming from? Where you're not, you're not a religious you're not the religious party traditionally. Where is this coming from? I I think because the party is the new religion. Not well, not the party. Excuse me. The ideals are the new religion to them. Yes, yes. because they the, hold the human they rights hold on, is the religion. They hold on to them. Eh, I mean, if you ask these people, of course they're going to say human rights. But I'm going to look at their actions and say. You don't really give a fuck about human rights. You give a no. fuck about what affects you and the issues you care about and their rights. Exactly, because if it was about human rights, there would have been well, no, coast-to-coast per- coast protests two weeks ago about that verdict coming down in Mesa. Well, I think my comparison is still perfectly valid then because that's all religions. It, show me, Most people who consider themselves devout Christians have little use for most of what's in the Bible. Oh, definitely. Oh, Most Christians yeah. act like Christians and not Christ-like. Yeah, they just look for the Bible passage that supports how they're about to act. Definitely. Right. Oh, I'm not, right. so I'm, I, not saying, I'm not saying there isn't hypocrisy there to be pointed out. I'm, I'm just saying if you ask them, right. their words and actions won't match up. They won't sync up. But no, I, I do think that when it comes to them going after Meryl Streep, when we were when we were talking about you know the, the this subject before we started recording, it's a glaring lack of knowledge about how not just the legal system, but the world works. Anybody yeah. who's genuinely mad at her because oh she knew, what did she really know as far as she could prove in a court of law? Right, was she in the room when he was doing any of this shit? Did she witness it's, any of it? Could she be called to testify against him? Exactly. It's all hearsay, which is completely inadmissible in a court of law. And if you, if, if you did put a witness on the stand and you did try to get over on hearsay and the judge said, okay, you know, and the, the other lawyer objected, the judge upheld the objection, and you still hammered away at it, you'd find yourself in contempt of court. And... Uh, they would. She. The instructions would be to to the jury to strike everything they've heard, disregard everything you heard, because that's not legal testimony. That's not how the system works. Inadmissible. And I mean, and if you just want to look at just, I mean, just the basics of, yeah, she had heard rumors. Yeah, so had everybody else in Hollywood. And like I said before, we started recording. If you really want to go after, and you need a figurehead to put on the dartboard and throw darts at, 
why aren't they going after Courtney Love? Because in a red carpet interview in 2005, a reporter asked her, any advice for young starlets in Hollywood? And her exact words were, never go to a meeting in Harvey Weinstein's hotel room. That was 12 years ago, well before the the general public had any idea right. of the shit he was pulling. Right. This is like PETA going after comedians because they knew Richard Gere was hurting gerbils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe the gerbil liked it. Did you just assume the gerbil's sexual orientation? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Stand outside pet stores with signs. That's right, PETA. Prove to me. Prove to me that cow didn't want to be eaten. Prove it to me. <laughs> For all Did you know, say anything? that is their life's goal, is to be hamburger. But I, 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 to me, it's symptomatic of a bigger problem. And I was just talking to my, my brother about this today, which is these pet issues, these one-issue people with blinders on to the, to the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. That's... The, the look there's a time and place for everything and right now if you are a hardcore democrat i mean you vote the party line you wave the flag you carry water for them your one issue is to win in 2018 and to get back to the white house in 2020 it's not to sit here and nitpick and fight amongst yourselves about who's the most virtuous of all that feeds right into what the fucking breitbart the alt-right, and the general, the, the media generally on the right wants you to do. Right. Because if you're squabbling amongst yourselves, you can't even, you can't even put up a defense against the most bullshit, banal fucking attack they, they launch at you. And that has been the left's problem, along with letting little bullshit and, 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 you know, secret, you know, behind doors handshakes with candidates, fuck them over. Case in point, in 2004, let me tell you something. I guarantee you gun to people's heads, 90% of people who cast a vote in 2004 for John Kerry didn't think he'd make the best president. They just thought he'd, he wasn't Bush. Because I remember yes. yeah. the, per, the, the candidate who had the most excitement, enthusiasm behind him was Howard Dean. But because he dared to get excited and made a goofy noise oh after God. a win, we had to fucking banish him. Mm, and it's he's out it, of control. It's the same thing going what if, on. What if Russia launches missiles at us and all he does is sit there and scream? Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, that's what he's. Oh my do? God, the missiles are coming! But I mean, it they're was going the same to Washington. Th- they're going to. <laughs> it was the same thing with Bernie. You had a, his yes. base was excited and motivated. Hillary's base is this is the older crowd, the older Democrats, the ones who are comfortable to sit back and and go. I'm going to let my vote do the talking. That doesn't win you elections anymore. Obama won in 2008 because he excited his support, his base. Cl- Trump won the same way. Clinton won the same way. I mean. It, it, Bush won because well he stole that shit. But I mean, you know, it's just <laughs> the end friend on the court. <laughs> but and and a brother in Florida who was governor. Amazing how that worked out. And it came down to that state, isn't it? But what about but, second uh, time? No, second time is just be, once again because the Democrats said Howard Dean made a funny noise. 
he he embarrassed us. Now we got to push John Kerry. Right. I you know I think the the danger here is not that the left finds it's anti-Trump. I think what's more likely is that they find their own version of Trump, meaning that they'll become single-issue voters just like how they criticize the right. You know, that, that single issue being they'll find the, 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 the guy who is so PC that he puts everyone else to shame, but meanwhile, he's still not fighting for your interests. He's, being, he's still screwing you uh, over. Excuse me, uh, she... Please. He, I'm sorry. They. Let's just say they. I'll yes. just say they. No, I, 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 li- I, I like what... See, this is how I know. <laughs> I'm getting old. My early onset Alzheimer's is acting up. Were we recording when you brought up the fact that you think they're going to have to run a woman against Trump? I think so. Okay, well, if we weren't, let me double down on that. That's where I think that's going to come from. I think you were dead on when we are being set up for a... Well, this is a progressive's... And women versus reactionaries and Trump people for 2020. Right, right. Like, the, like the the epitome of the single issue voter is is the is the person who believes uh, that we shouldn't have abortion at all. And fine, know, don't have I'm, one. I'm, Probably yeah, no, right, <laughs> right, right. Look, I mean, if you you could look at this in a way that is almost commendable, right? You believe so strongly in the idea that children are being murdered, in your mind, children are being murdered in this country, and that is the primary issue for you. That's that Everything else is secondary. Even to the point of your own personal welfare, or your own literal welfare, uh, <laughs> do you... That, so what you're going to end up with on the left, my prediction is, is that it's the same thing. You believe so deeply that we need somebody that is politically correct and liberal in the, in the right ways, progressive in the, in the right ways, that you're willing to sacrifice everything else. Now, that's an idealist way to look at it. I mean, in truth, most of these people who are, are voting on the issue of abortion are just completely uninformed about all the other issues and they just vote on the ones that that strike at the core that real oh baby's dying oh that hurts me you know i can't i can't bear to to watch the news to figure out you know if if the people that i'm electing are looking out for my interests but you know so something as easy and simple as dead babies that that really grabs a person it's the same way on the other side you know the politician that's able to, with a clean record, with no previous history of, you know, acting out of line in any way, and says all the right things about minorities and women so that everybody can stand up and applaud themselves and, and the, the person that they want to vote for. And meanwhile, nothing changes. You know, there's, there's no less money coming in through corporations going to lobbyists that funnel it right to, into the politicians that, are, that are, are voting on laws that the lobbyists that gave them the money are writing. None of that changes. None, and I mean... None it, of the money anywhere changes. Actually, you know, I, I will bring up real quick. The There is some hope actually here in Michigan. If you want real change... 
They got enough signatures to put on the ballot for 2018, one of the most important pieces of legislation in decades, and it's not marijuana legalization, which we're also expecting in 2018 in this state, but it's doing away with political gerrymandering. We will get to vote here in Michigan on changing the way that we draw the lines for our voting districts. That is decided by a bipartisan panel. They're going to fly in Detroit? And not just whatever party's in power. Because that's how it that's how it happens here currently and everywhere else in the nation. When this when is, John Oliver did his his expose, whatever you want to call it, on, on gerrymandering, mm-hmm. wasn't there cases in, in states, especially Republican stronghold states, even if the occasional Democrat was in power, it was Republicans still drawing up the lines? People who were beholden to the Republican Party, right? Well, I think I believe if I believe the way it works is it's who's ever in majority power in the overall state, right? So you could win in your district, but that doesn't mean that you get to decide where your district's borders are. If if a Democrat wins in in a certain district, and the Republicans are in in the majority in power in the in all the districts in that state, then the Republicans get to decide how those lines are drawn. And mind you, this isn't a Republican thing. Yeah. This, I mean, this is not a left or right. This is, this is not a, this is, this is a, I should say, a left and right issue. Cause for every, all, every po- party that's in power draws the lines to their advantage for their own party. Yeah, we, we always hear about the, the, the Republican examples. We never hear examples about right here in our own backyard. There are districts in the city of Detroit that are clearly gerrymandered towards uh, the Democrat side of things. Mm-hmm. Like John yeah. Conyers, for example, the most one that's in the news. Like that thing is drawn. That thing will... Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, you'd have to have that thing go out to western Michigan. To have that thing somehow go Republican. Yeah, the, yeah, the way that, that, I mean, this whole idea of gerrymandering started from, and I, I can't cite the exact examples, but there were districts in this country that were these big, weird-looking things that managed to get all the black people in one district so that they could get a liberal in office. So... I don't know if that was a unique idea or if that's when we just started figuring out what was going on. But, yes, it's certainly not exclusive to the Republicans. Well, I mean, yeah, that's like saying corruption's exclusive to one political party over the other. Right, and so two of the big issues in my mind that are keeping us in the stagnant political pool that we've been in are gerrymandering and financing of campaigns. And that's not an issue that either party has ever taken up no because that's how they get claim moral high ground on that because that's how they you get into power in our current system really isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and and it takes you don't bite the hand that feeds you right and and the law that we're gonna get to vote on next year in michigan again this wasn't some uh one this is one of our representatives presenting this as a good idea these are you know, some group of private citizens had to get together and organize people and get enough signatures to get this done. 
you know and it, and if it does pass and it and if it does change things then maybe there is hope for our political future maybe we are willing to be more informed proactive voters ha maybe <laughs> we'll see well you are the optimist of the show <laughs> yeah i was going to say i i hope but i'm not i'm not betting on it it's kind of like, you know, when, when if you live in Florida in the path of a hurricane, you board up the windows, you make sure your hurricane insurance is paid up, you hope for the best, and, mm-hmm. you know, prepare well, for the worst. That's the thing, too, is that there remains some uh, vigilance to be had on the part of the voter to make sure that this isn't either completely undone by the politicians or skirted around, find some loophole in it. They can undo everything. I, well, yeah, know, they, I can think, do un- they can do un- undo everything if we let them. I, I think one of the things, and I can't remember if we ever discussed this, but that, that we kind of need to go back to is the idea of the Founding Fathers was not for politicians to be, for, that, for politics to be that politician's career. It was for everyday people who... Well, not, not necessarily the average person. You know, you're not going to hire, you're not going to, or hire, you're not going to elect a farmer to run, you know, the country, and he's never been off his farm. But it was for people from everyday walks of life to step up, almost like how the military has, has, has positioned itself in its recruiting. You know, sir, do your piece, serve, serve your country, you know, you know blah, blah, blah. And then once your term's over with, you step down. I think instead of just the idea of term limits, maybe we need like a lifetime limit on how long you can be a politician. Because it just seems like if even if even if a politician gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar, he just moves, you know, to a different district, gets gets elected, or you know, moves states and gets elected. I mean, it, 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 I don't know. The, the idea of a career politician, it just seems like it's, it, that breeds nothing but, but bad news. I mean, and, and on top of that, I think it's very telling that our political system is fucking jacked up and jammed up as it is. And most politicians, what type of degrees do they have? Law degrees. Right, yeah. And you get 10 lawyers in a room... And you'll get nothing done. And we fucking go, why is there gridlock in Congress? Gee, I don't fucking know. I, really? We, we elect a bunch of uh, wannabe half-ass lawyers and expect to get anything done? I mean, I, I think that needs... Yes, the money needs to come out of politics. Yes, the gerrymandering needs to stop. But we have to go a step further eventually. If we, if we get those first two steps done, I think... Something along the lines of what I'm describing has to be the third step. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we're not ever going to be what we set out to be when we started this country, which is of the people, by the people, for the people. We're always going to be the ruling class over the ruled. It's just, it's not a monarchy per se, mm-hmm. but kind of, well, you know. Right, and and I totally agree with you, but... All of this falls apart again if you have an uninformed populace. You know, because y- you could argue that Trump is that person that you were speaking about. 
Trump is that that not a career politician, not a you know didn't go to to law school, and that's I, that's why I think a lot of people were willing to vote for him, even though they didn't completely agree with everything that he said, because you know. Barry ran on change, but at the end of the day, he was just another career politician. Yep. And Trump wasn't. So, yeah, I'm all I'm all for getting rid of the idea of career politicians in America, but unless you do that and are willing to put in some uh, again a little work, a little digging, a little critical thinking into who you're putting into office to actually, you know, give a shit about it then you're just going to end up with more Trumps. Well, that that goes to we need to somehow, and I am at a loss at how to do this, we need to get the, what, half, over half of this country that doesn't even give a fuck enough to vote somehow engaged in the political system in, 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 to even right. give a fuck enough to vote, let alone to give a fuck enough to, to, to read an article that's not, you know, oh, well, I lean to the right, so I look at Breitbart, and that's a credible news source. Get the fuck out of here. That's like, that's just asinine if someone on the left goes, yeah, BuzzFeed, yeah, that's a credible news source. Really? Come on now. I mean, and I don't know how, I don't know how we do that. And, but then, then the other problem is the people who are engaged, you know, my, your guess is as good as mine. What percentage of them? are so blindly partisan, we can't get anywhere with them. That they're just going to go, whatever news that I don't agree with is fake news. I mean, because it's fake to, news. to me, that's going to be Trump's legacy. The fake news is not limited to the right. I see people in online discussions, debates, arguments, flame fest, always, you know, left, right, doesn't matter. Fake news has become a battle cry. Yep. It's become a retort. Yeah, if if someone if someone's arguing, and it's a Republican versus Democrat, and a Republican post Breitbart, the Democrat first thing they say is fake news. Yeah, I mean, it's like okay, yeah, but that is such that is that is the definition of short attention span politics. That's just because you ejaculate those fucking sounds out of your mouth that form the the words fake news doesn't. That's not the that's not the end of the debate. Dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, demand right. demand demand nonpartisan sources. Like, and here's it, you got to be self motivated to do that though. That's the problem. I get into hate fact territory, Rich. Mm-hmm. But it's so much easier to just say, "Oh, Kellyanne Conway's lying." Okay, well, you're probably right, but how do you know that? Well, her mouth is open. <laughs> well, no, you, you can't. You can't just tell me that she's lying if you don't have if you don't have the truth, right? <laughs> like if if you think that's a lie, you tell me the truth. If you can't tell me the truth, then <laughs> Rich and I deal with this mindset on a weekly basis. Your opinion is not an is not a credible source. But we're dealing with people who are in that mindset right. now. Right, but well, it's my but fit, it's, it's, it's my it's opinion. Just, it's a credible source. No, it's fucking right. not. It's, Right. Kellyanne Conway is wrong because she's been identified as the enemy, so everything that she says is wrong. Well, that if you want to beat these people, you're going to have to start using facts, and you're going to have to know those facts. You can't, 
you can just say, well, they're Republicans, so they must be wrong. One of the one of the the biggest examples of what we're talking about that I've seen in recent memory was like a few weeks ago in a in a in a Facebook debate group I'm I'm a member of. Someone posted uh, an anti net neutrality thing, meme picture, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't necessarily a meme. It was just just a picture that someone had you know. Uh, what do you call it? Screenshot. Thank you of what someone else had said. Yeah. And basically, to boil it down, was you know, yeah, bunch of assholes on the left want the government to regulate something that's never happened and never will happen. And the avalanche of information from all sort from from all sides of the political spectrum and in, in in the news that was posted to prove this guy you don't know what the fuck you're talking about was just overwhelming and it took him two days to respond and in the face of all this these facts that proved that he was wrong his response was bunch of fucking faggot ass cucks (laughs) (laughs) yep and that was the end and we're done here that that'd be like we're you've just shown your level of debate we're done exactly you can't these, that's not a person who is seeking the truth, regardless of where the truth may be. That's not a person who is righteous. That's a person who has an agenda, or that's a person who's just trolling to look to, to start a flame war. That's it. And the fact that he took two days to respond, and that was his epic response, tells me, this is just someone who is just blindly partisan and doesn't, the truth, it doesn't matter. If he accidentally stumbles upon it, fine. He just wants to score points for his side. Yeah, it's about being back to just being right. It's all that matters anymore. Exactly. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the hosts were arguing, and it was infuriating to listen to one of the hosts go, well, I'm right. I'm right. And that was his argument. How How is declaring yourself right? An argument. I mean, you don't back it up with anything. To just stand up and go, I'm right, in the middle of a debate. That doesn't... What debate club would award that round to that fucking team? No. The the judges go, oh, wait, that person's right? Oh, okay, debate's over. Yeah, we're wasting our fucking time. Let's all go get ice cream. Why didn't you say that at the beginning? Why didn't you say you were right at the beginning of this debate? Saved us all 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 the fuckload of time, man. Right. And I, it's it's it to me. It's, it's like it's, representing it's just, yourself in court. Well, I'm innocent. Oh well. Shit. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. If you say so. We have this mountain of DNA evidence, but you know, hey, shit. What's that matter? You said he he said he's innocent. And he's above reproach. He wouldn't lie. I, it's I, it, it, it's it's frustrating, but at the same time, I think we just have to accept it. There's not no, there's never going to be the majority on the same page when it comes to this subject. So what you have to do is you have to go, okay, who can we get engaged? And the ones you can't, you just got to cut bait with. You just got to go, okay, whatever. And then there's going to be, of the people that are engaged, the people who, no matter what political party, what ideals they, they are beholden to, they're never going to budge from them. you got to cut bait with them also. But the problem is that doesn't leave you with even close enough of a majority, especially when everything now is a wedge issue. 
everything. Nothing cannot be put. Nothing is above being politicized or nothing's too petty to be petty. They, they can't be politicized, it seems like these days. I mean, something is... The, the, the perfect example was Michelle Obama. I think we should teach our children to eat healthier. Oh, look at this bitch wants our kids to eat celery and shit. The fuck's wrong with her? What? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Okay, as a Tell fat ass... What to do. Yeah, as a fat ass, I wish my school had served you know better healthier food but they were there was vending machines lining the hallways they there was nothing but garbage shit that if we ate every day as an adult people would look at you and go what the fuck is wrong with you eating that nancy reagan should have been telling us to just say no to To school lunch yeah yeah to that that sad ass rectangle piece of pizza with one piece of dried pepperoni on it just say no to a bucket of sugar that's in the vending machines in your cafeteria. But yeah, I, I, it's I, I'm not obviously we've 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 well established that that Aaron is the optimist of the podcast. <laughs> Chris and I are, are the cynics. I just don't hold out much hope that it's going to happen anytime soon. And is and if if the rules of the game have changed to the point where it's you have to win and you have to win. The, by running a candidate who is more fierce than the other candidate. And I don't mean fierce in that you go girl way. I'm talking, (laughs) I'm talking smells blood in the water and goes right for the throat. Then so fucking be it, man. We can't, we can't refuse to play the game on the game's terms at this point, because if we do, we're going to end up with eight, with eight years of Trump and God fucking forbid what we end up with beyond that. Because, I, I hate to say it, the right excels at playing dirty. Say what you want. The right can stay on topic. Much, taking it back to what we were talking about with the left being splintered with all their pet causes, the right can pick one thing and hammer at it and stay on that a lot better than the left can. The case in point, that whole Roy Moore debacle. I mean, they love, they love abortion. They love abortion. To the fact they, that a fucking child predator was in a neck-and-neck neck fucking political race. I'm still baffled by that. But, I mean, that there you go. The, what we were even saying at last show, what was the big thing with most of the people in that election? Well, he's against abortion, so I'm voting for him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, right. Right loves right. It's one thing. They are they are on message at all times. And I, you know, I, I for years I resisted what people like Bill Maher would say, and you know, which is, hey, when they go low, we go lower. Fuck it. You got to get in the mud. You got to get dirty. It's the only way to win with these people. You can't. You, you're playing away games, Democrats. You can't count on the, the crowd support. You're not going to get the calls because you, you're not at home. And I was like, I, I, man, come on. We got to be better than that. At this point, I don't give a fuck about being better than that. <laughs> at this point, I don't want eight years of Trump. And then, God forbid, eight years of something worse than Trump out of a fucking Lovecraftian nightmare. I mean, I just don't want it. And it's not that I want Democrats in there necessarily, 
I mean, if I had my druthers, we wouldn't have a president. There would not be one person that is a figurehead. It would be our government would be ran much differently. But this is the the hand we've been dealt, and you got to play those cards. Don't get a turn in Rich's world. Ain't your turn I, this well, week. I, I mean, dude, you can't if you're if if like I said, if you're if you don't play the cards you're dealt, then what game are you playing? You can't win. You cannot win. You might as well stand up, push away from the table, and say, "I refuse to play." And at that point, that's a forfeit. And the Democrats have been forfeiting way too fucking much. And I think, I honestly think, they've been cruising on a on the 2012 election of Obama, thinking it's still 2012. I mean, we always criticize the right for being stuck in the 50s. I think the Democrats are stuck about fucking five years ago. To where they think that's the tone of the country. It's not. We have completely changed the tone in this country from 2012. As divided as we thought we were then, I wish we would go back to only being that divided. I mean, now, the idea, what you proposed, you know, if Democrats run a female and it turns into basically progressives and women versus conservatives and men, that idea terrifies the shit out of me. Because... The last thing we need in this country is more ways to, to, to divide us up and, and and get in our tribes and go, okay, fuck them. Those assholes across from us at the watering hole, they're assholes. We need to get rid of them. We already do that enough on our own. That's just human nature. We don't need to be encouraged by our political political system. Right. And to think that, you know, that, that liberals or women have some sort of monopoly on morality in this country... It's the same thinking that's applied to, well, Trump must be looking out for my interests because he's white, too. And I cannot believe that these fucking cracker-ass motherfuckers fell for that shit because they're the same ones that were going, okay, all you black people who voted for Obama, do you now see what we've been dealing with since the inception of this country? Just because they share the same skin tone doesn't mean that they're going to fucking personally make your life better. And then they bought into the same thing they were arguing against for eight years when Obama was in office with Trump. And I just, it's, and, and Trump, at least I, 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 and on a very base way of looking at things, you look at someone, hey, that person looks like me. As illogical and as irrational as that is to assume that that person's going to, to take your interest above anybody else's interest, it's even more asinine to assume someone who's never fucking lived a life like you have, never struggled like the average person, probably couldn't tell you, fuck, not knowing what a scanner is, like Bush the first, he's probably not been inside of a grocery store ever. I mean, seriously. Wait, do you think, do you think Mama Trump was taking little Donnie to the grocery store? <laughs> he come from fucking wealth. Of course they fucking weren't. Give me a break. Do you think he would? He took his his brood grocery shopping and had to tell Ivanka to, or if, whatever her fucking name is. To, no, no. Put the Captain Crunch back. We're not getting that. No, that's it's fantasy land to imagine that he's get, that in touch with every day. Get your hands life. off that peasant food, Ivanka. I mean, it's just. And these people go, oh, he's just like me. No, he's not. And it, the tax, the tax bill, it just we just went through all this with should prove it. But like you said, instead, what do they do? 
people are going to do their taxes next year and go, oh, wow, look at all this money I got back. Thanks, Trump. Yeah, well, the earned income credit for your kids, et cetera, et cetera, when that goes away a year later, are you going to thank Trump for that? No. Thanks a lot, Obama. You know what's going to happen? If the if if the Republicans take a huge loss in two, in 2018, everybody on the right's going to blame the Democrats that were elected in 2018 for their taxes in 2019. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling my shot. I'm Babe Ruth pointing out at fucking right field. I'm telling you. I'm calling it. Watch it happen. If if the Democrats shock the fucking Republicans. And get control of Congress. That's going to be the battle, the battle cry going into the presidential election in 2020. But because it'll work because I've seen this movie before. How many idiot Democrats are going to jump on that to try to get elected? Hey, look, Uh, just using the the converse of uh, you know, just trying to ride the coattails of it. Hey, huh? Hey, we we got control back, huh? Uh, Look at this. Then that goes back to the you know the the old saying, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You can't pick and choose how and when you use this weapon. It, uh, you know, it, a weapon doesn't give a fuck about agendas, doesn't give a fuck about political parties. You know, it, it's going to cut whoever it's wielded against. And if they fuck up and put all their eggs in that basket, there's a huge chance of that backfiring on them. And God damn it. At that point, I'm going to be pissed off because then I'm going to have to be like, God damn, President Trump, I'm going to be saying this until January 2015 or uh, 2025. Really? The fuck? I mean, it's it's time. it, it, It really is time for the Democrats to get their shit together, to get angry and find one rallying point. And I can't think of one that's that's a big enough issue. To get everybody on the same page until, Aaron, you were like, this whole sexual harassment thing. Boom. Right there. It's the perfect issue. And I'm like, fuck. I didn't even think about that. But that's such that's well, such a loser because yeah, zero yeah. tolerance has bipartisan support, at least lip service of it. We'll see when they put it to a vote. Yeah, and I've I've never molested anyone is not a great campaign slogan <laughs> you know it's, for me i'm a woman i can't har- i can't harass other women there's so actually work with hillary because everyone would be like look bitch there's someone know in you sexually harassed women michigan running on that platform i think i sent that to you guys a couple weeks ago there's oh, actually- the, the 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 woman running for governor yeah one of her things is i won't sexually harass my staff is one of her platforms <laughs> gee well, thanks I, I, gee thanks lady I think people have this idea that it's built into the sex, though, that they can't molest anyone because they're women. They can't be sexually inappropriate. It's like waking up every day and announcing, hey, you know what I'm not going to do today? Fuck a kid. Just thought I would like to share that with y'all. Gold star, Chris. Yeah. You get a pat on the back, buddy. Hey. What's the Chris Rock thing? I'm tired of people wanting credit for shit they're supposed to do. Yeah. I ain't never been to jail. You ain't supposed to go to jail. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sexually harass my staff. You're not supposed to sexually harass your staff. Well, the, the funny part of that is they, the narrative, true or not, 
is sexual harassment is born out of power and abuse of. Yeah. Okay, well, if that's the case, and it's not necessarily that men are just pigs and we want to fucking find it fucking or find it, fuck it, and flee. We want to smell it, hit it, and leave. If, 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 if that was how it was being presented, I would go, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. Especially, especially, yeah, especially guys that didn't have that chance when they're younger and get it later in life. They really think that this is their chance. But if you're going to base it on power, then what about women in power? You're telling me that they're, that, that they're in- incorruptible? I saw By that virtue movie. of birth. I saw that movie with Michael Douglas. I know one can go on. Wasn't it? What was it? Him and Demi Moore. And uh, well, look at. <laughs> I mean, all the time we're reading stories about a school teacher was fucking one of her students. Like that. That's the same exact situation. But you you notice that you very rarely ever hear someone call those teachers out on they're using the power they have over the students. As leverage to get into that, nice. Because exactly because nice. of that, because of that right <laughs> fucking there, because of that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> was that was that from the South Park episode? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. When yeah. It, yeah, when Ike was nice. fucking his kindergarten teacher, that was the, that was all the cops' reaction. Yeah, and then they were like, they were like, so she's had sex with him. I, yeah. Okay. Nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. How about oral sex? Yes. Nice. nice. You know? They were like, yeah, we got to track him down and give him his luckiest boy in the world medal. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that's a valid point that's lost in all this because it just, it, it gets lost in the, in the, 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 the public consciousness of, and the stories we like and the lies we like and are comfortable with of, oh, no, this is this is a man problem. You know, that that's one of the things that I think, going back to the Meryl Streep thing real quick, she set herself up for what, what the backlash she's getting now because she called for all actresses to wear black to protest sexual harassment at the Golden Globes. And it's like, you put yourself on the front lines of this. You opened yourself up to this criticism. Now, I don't think the criticism is necessarily valid, but I can't ignore the fact that she put herself out front. And when you do that, you're painting a target on yourself. And we don't... She's still riding her little self-righteous high from last year, though, with her speech about, oh, we're going to have left is, what is it, MMA and football? Yeah, that yeah. Bullshit ass speech she gave. And martial martial arts aren't art. Yes, yeah. That 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 went over with a like a huge thud with a whole lot of people who had studied different disciplines of martial arts their entire life. Let me tell you. But I, we, you know, we we if we're going to address it and we're going to have a candidate come from the Democratic Party to run on that platform, it's got to be someone who can put the spin on it of this isn't a male issue, this isn't a female issue, this is a power issue, and this is how power corrupts sometimes. Then it's not going to be someone from the left. It's not, because that's not the narrative being spun right now. Well, I, I, I mean, really, it, certainly it is an issue, but it's far from even topping the list in issues in this country, right? I, I, I understand, but what stupid it, it, issues have people been elected on that are right. dumber than this? 
many. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really want to work big to small, look at the headline I saw all over the place today. Opioids kill more people than breast cancer. What happened to that? What happened to that issue anyway? That was something that Trump ran on. That he was going to take care of the opioid problem in this country. Hey, he threw $58,000 at the problem. What more oh, do you want from the man? Oh, that's right. <laughs> right. And put a and put a politician in charge of taking care of the problem, the same politician that was in charge of writing the legislation that allowed doctors to uh, allowed pharmaceutical companies and and doctors to spread this uh, the, this disease of opioid addiction across the country. He paid for one person's rehab. What more do you want from him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so that's one of those issues where this is a real thing. This is this is something that's happening in this country to millions of people. Their lives are being affected by it. Their lives are ruined. They die. They affect the the family and their coworkers and their friends. I mean, this this spreads like cancer throughout society. The fallout isn't just, you know, some junkie who doesn't give a shit about their lives. Whole families are destroyed due to opioid addiction. And clearly this isn't in a real issue for Americans. You know, every day there's people following up with, like, where are we at the, with, with, with the wall? Uh... Uh, what's her name? The the conservative blonde, the the older version of Tommy Laren. Ann Coulter. Uh, Ann, yeah, Ann Coulter. She constantly tweets out daily updates on on the border wall. My, number of miles of wall built zero. Update tomorrow. You know, there are people who are tracking this. They want to make sure that the president is following through with that. But anyone who tried to use, like, well, he's, you know, he's going to fix this scourge of opioid addiction in this country. Clearly, that wasn't really an issue for you because you're not following up with it at all. You're letting that completely lapse. No, you're right. It, it was not a valid issue. It was a talking point. Yes. And as God damn, if there is a God, he's, he's going to have to forgive me for saying this. At this point, you're playing a game of dirty pool, and the Democrats need some talking points that are going to get people fucking pissed off and fired up enough to do something. And whether they fucking follow through with it or not, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I Look, I'm not saying I don't care about sexual harassment and all this shit going on, uh-huh. but if it gets people who otherwise don't give a fuck out to vote and it's, a, it's an issue to where they're like, well, you know, wow, the... I mean, because what's the thing you constantly hear about any celebrity that's been accused? Well, where there's that much smoke, there has mm-hmm. to be fire. Well, if that's the standard we're, we're going to use, how many accusers does Trump have? So you better apply that standard to him. And uh, it's no, that, that, to- that standards are only applied to people who we are already preconditioned to think of in a certain way. So, well, you know, uh, somebody well, involved well, well, in well, Hollywood... In the movie business, oh, they must be scummy. I mean, like, we all know that those people are low lives. Are we going to apply it to of Bill course. Clinton? Or? I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Uh, I think it was applied to Bill Clinton from his own party, but it wasn't the, the the Hillary supporters doing it. It was the Bernie supporters. 
And the, the, the rebuttal anytime that was brought up of how are you going to sit here, Hillary, and talk about how you're going to champion women's issues and women's rights when you basically protected your husband and put hit squads out, at least hit squads on the women who accused him, not necessarily to kill the women, but to destroy their reputation. Right. Smear campaigns. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, how, how are you going to champion women's rights? You can't. The rebuttal from the Hillary camp was to call the people in the Bernie camp who said that Bernie bros say it's sexism and then go, well, we're done here. We took care of that issue. That's it. It was never addressed. She never addressed it. And the one time I remember I brought it up to a friend of mine who's a hardcore Hillary supporter and her only rebuttal was. Bill Clinton isn't running for president. Why are we talking about him? Yeah, it is interesting the way that the, the two campaigns were run differently. Like, oh, a lot of people voted for Obama to be on the right side of history and vote for the first black president. And a lot of people voted for Hillary to be, again, on the right side of history and vote for the first woman president. The difference between how they r- ran the Obama didn't say, guess what? I'm black and I'm going to be president. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> <laughs> like... That's what Hillary ran on. But these people want to be part of history. I want to be part of history by electing somebody actually gives a shit about me. How about that for a historic election? Yeah, isn't it? Uh, doesn't the internet call what you just said, Aaron? Isn't it called because my vagina feminism? <laughs> right. Hey, vote for me because my vagina. That was, you know, that's kind of right. like. Oh, no, wait, 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 let's, wait, and Donald Trump is bad. That was her two, that was her two big points. Let's I, understand that men have problems, right? That doesn't mean that women don't. <laughs> doesn't mean that men hold all the problems, that men have all the issues, and that if you have a vagina, that you're just going to be automatically better. That's not what I've been told. I mean, I... I I know you're <laughs> you're only half ass kidding around, Chris. But I mean, I, I just think back to am I one of one of Bill Mars? Well, that's okay. Little little more than half, or a little less than half, kidding around. You're just saying okay, or telling the truth in a humorous way. How about that? There. Yeah. Um, but no, I just think back to like one of the early two thousand Bill Mars standups where he pointed out that if I got up here and said. Women are smarter than men. Everybody, including men in the audience, would clap because they go, yeah. oh, yeah, that's, that's a fact. Right. But if I stood up here and said men are smarter than women, I'd be booed off the stage. And that's not equality. That's not feminism. I don't know. You know, I, I, and, you know and he basically went on to point out a few more cases of, of hypocrisy along those lines. And he was, I mean, and this is like, I think, 2003, 2004. He got attacked for that from the left. And I'm like, do you not understand that this is someone who doesn't give a fuck about party? They give a fuck about, at least this point in his career, he gave a fuck about pointing out hypocrisy and trying to get people to be honest with themselves. Because really, that's what the best comedians do. They're, they're, They're social commentators who point out our sins in a funny way. And... He got shouted down for it, and he did the most chicken shit thing he could did he could do at that point. Instead of fighting back and going, no, that's a fact, and I'm not gonna fucking ignore a fact 
because it hurts your feelings, he backed down and acquiesced to their demands and dropped the subject totally. So, I mean, and this isn't, that didn't, it, it didn't start with him. We've been conditioned for decades now, sitcoms, movies, romantic comedies, mm-hmm. books, commercials. It's the bumbling idiot husband. And yep. here comes the wife riding in on her horse to save the day to the point where entire television shows have had runs long enough to put them in syndication. Home Improvement, I'm looking at you, that fucking made everyone involved millionaires off of that fucking shit. Yeah, over the premise, men are clueless. If we're so dumb, how come we're running everything? And if you really look at, you look at around that same time, a show like Married with Children, which basically... Married with Children was one of the most nihilistic shows on television because it basically said everybody's fucking equally stupid. That still wasn't good enough. That show was viciously attacked by feminists and people on the left as sexist and misogynistic and anti-woman. No, that show, if you think Al Bundy's group of losers who formed Yes (laughs) Ma'am were supposed to be heroes, the point completely went over your head. Yeah. Okay, I mean you're the making, point was make me want to watch some married fire married <laughs> children on Netflix and we're done. <laughs> but I mean the point was is that everyone's a fucking idiot. Bud's an idiot. He's a suburban white kid who's going to be Grandmaster B. You know his daughter's a fucking slut who couldn't fucking string together a sentence if her life depended on it that was coherent half the time. His wife doesn't give a shit about nothing, and he's a shitty father who works a shitty job. Everybody was an asshole in that show. That was the point. And it was still attacked. It just... We've been conditioned, in, especially, I think, our generation more so, to look at shit that way. It's the overcorrection. It's the classic overcorrection. From yeah. Father Knows Best to Roseanne. Oh, no, no. I take that back. Roseanne's a very bad example of me to use because Roseanne actually had the balls to have a strong male figure on that show in John Goodman's character. I think, yeah, Roseanne was was pretty realistic because it, it wasn't that the, uh, you know, one of the two was always the one who was right. You know, it depended on the situation. It was like, it was like real life. It, it, when you're a parent or even if you're just in a relationship, you know, one of the two of the of the, of the couple goes off the rails and has to be reined back in and come and brought back to reality. It's not always the 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 man, you know, going off with some wild idea and the woman living in reality. But you're absolutely right. I mean, we have been conditioned to accept that as fact, and this is just like a little example. But it's the one that, that keeps popping up in my head because in a lot of the, the podcasts that I listen to, and I know you guys probably listen to some of them too, are produced by Podcast One. And for a, a long time, they've been running an ad for a show. Um, I'm blanking on who's actually on the show, but it's a male-female duo. And they're doing their little intro of the... Not the intro of the show, but a little ad for it, telling them what it's all about and their little banter back and forth and they say because you know what they say behind every great man is a better woman oh the, yeah, the rich like, eisen pod yeah the, yes the one yes. with his wife or whatever right and i'm like 
you know, I don't know if it registered the first couple times that I heard it, but then it started sinking. Like, you really believe this shit, don't you? Yeah, a lot you, of people you are, do, man. You are fully buying into this idea. And, and, and I mean, imagine, imagine if again running <laughs> how, everything. How, how fast would the Black Panther Party have been wiped off the face of the earth so that their platform was whites are fucking up this country and the blacks are going to take over and start running things? Uh, the FBI would have been neck deep in their ass, just like they were with the Nation of Islam. Okay, let me take. I take that back. Let me let me correct that statement. They'd have been even deeper in their ass, just like they were with the Nation of Islam. Right, because the FBI was all up in the Black Panther Party, also. But no, exactly. It, it, and it, this goes back to we've gotten to the point where we elect people not based on how they lift up their constituents, their supporters. We're playing dirty politics, and that's just the game. That's just where the game's at at this point. We elect people based on how much hate they can drum up for their opponent. And, and, and I just keep going back to, if that's the game, and the game dictates the rules, you have to play by the rules. If you don't... Mm-hmm. You're not going. You don't. You have no shot of winning. I mean, you might as you might as well just the, the Democrats as a party might as well wave the flag, fold, and go. I I don't know. Libertarians, the Whig Party, New Federalist, who the fuck ever. Your turn. Because if yeah. if they're not willing to do it, they're not going to win. Right. No, and I think it is. It's a nihilistic view, but it's definitely deeply rooted in reality. Because as much as we like to talk about how. We wish that that people were more informed voters. They're just not going to be. So if you're going to get elected, you're going to have to dip your toe into that fantasy pool that they've created. Exactly. And, and again, because, you know, not to keep harping on the opioid thing, but like if, if the opioids are killing more people in this country than breast cancer, then can anyone tell me what color ribbon signifies uh, fighting opioid abuse? Oh, Blue. really? The, uh, we don't know? Okay, where can I get a t-shirt to support research into helping people that suffer from opioid? Oh, I can't? I can't buy a bumper sticker anywhere? I don't have some color-coded message that I can send out? I mean, I, I'm not saying that people shouldn't support research on breast cancer, but Jesus Christ, like, it's fucking everywhere. We have a whole month devoted to it, a whole color that signifies it. Sure, it's an issue. It should be addressed. It's but, but it's it's easier to kind of shrug off because our puritanical roots run so deep in this fucking country. We see any type of addiction that we deem as bad as a moral flaw. As 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 you are not a moral person, or else you wouldn't be an alcoholic, right, a drug right. addict. Women are a group that that needs to be protected from this. And oh, addicts are just fucking addicts. So they made their own fucked up wrong decisions and ruined their lives. That's not on me. You know, and the irony in that is I've been in 12-step rooms. I've been around large groups of addicts. The irony in the, how the world, or excuse me, the world, how we as American society tend to look at them is 
they'll be the first ones to stand up in a room full of people and take personal responsibility for the fuck-ups they did. And they're not asking anyone to, to, to forget anything that they've done. They're just asking people not to treat them based on what they've done in the past, but the person they are now. And Or not to define them by their disease. Exactly. And, I mean, you find more people from all walks of life, all political leanings, people who are apolitical, whatever, in those rooms, and this is one of the, the one of the I think one of the the good points of of that type of I guess group therapy for addiction, who they're more willing and they're more honest if they're if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing to take personal responsibility and to go I fucked up I need to pay for fucking up but once I've paid my 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 price or once I've you know made amends it, it's not something that needs you know. What, what, what was it said in Pulp Fiction? Have you ever heard the idea that once a man has apologized, he's supposed to be forgiven? You know, and it, that was that was John Travolta's line to Samuel Jackson. That Samuel Jackson's cleaning right. up skull and brains, and he goes, "Whoever said that ignorant shit never had to clean up a motherfucker's skull because you blew his head off." Yeah. That's America, and John Travolta's you know the addicts going, you know, look, we fucked up, we made a mistake, but we've cleaned our act up, mm-hmm. and we're not asking you to fucking give us unconditional trust because of that look at our actions look at what we're doing i mean that's that's one of the things that you know one of the pitfalls of getting sober for a lot of people is when you first get sober most people bend over backwards to congratulate you but once the farther out you get from your from the date that you stopped using the less people give a fuck that you're sober well let's start we're, we're back to chris rock again yeah Want credit for like, hey, congratulations! You're not supposed to be drunk all day every day. Exactly. And then when you, then it gets even more complicated when you get to the functional addicts, the functional alcoholics, the people who who for whatever reason can do massive amounts of drugs, drink massive amounts of alcohol, but still excel, quote unquote, in the 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 superficially important things in life you know they they can hold a job they they have a good job sometimes the same things that drive them to 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 be addicted are the same things that drive them to be a, a success at work you know a a, a devotion to in, in the ability to be overtaken by obsession i have to be the best at work just like i have to do this drug i heard that goes and, on and and it's not that I can do a little bit of it, you know. I mean, if everyone could drink three or four drinks tops at a party that lasts for five hours, It'd be the worst party. Well, have, most people have get no buzz. stories. <laughs> most people get a buzz. What I'm getting at is, if most people could just drink to where they have a buzz and then and then stop, we would have a lot less problems. But for some reason, some people are wired to where once they feel that buzz, they just want more. Oh yeah, and it's and. I don't understand how we can admit that, but yet we we still refuse to look at something like opioid addiction, heroin addiction, well, which is part of opioid addiction, as anything but a, a health slash mental health issue. Well, yeah, I mean, opioid addiction is just heroin addiction for people with health insurance. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so, and 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 the thing is, is that if you stand up in polite society and go. Well, what about these people who are who are addicted? You quickly find that, yeah, a lot of people want addicts to get clean, 
but they don't want to see the process. They don't want the sober living houses in their neighborhood. They don't want the AA meetings necessarily or NA meetings or whatever down the street from the school that their kids go to. You know, go do that shit someplace else and come back when you're fixed. That's not how this shit works. That's not how addiction works. And anybody who has an addictive personality and has found themselves addicted to something, doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol, could be anything, knows that for a fact to be true. I mean, that's, that's you, you can't go, we care about you as an addict, but we're going to put you or sweep you under the rug. Mm-hmm. It is interesting how this fits into our ethos as a country of this is a place where anybody can make it. You can have your second act. You know, you can you can make anything happen here. And yet, you know, drug addicts just go into the larger pool of the increasingly growing pool of people that we're just willing to completely write off in this country. I mean, it's ex- expanded from... The idea that, well, if you're in jail, you must have did something. Like, even if you can prove to me that you're innocent of that crime, well, you, hey, you, you, had to, you came across the cop's radar somehow. And then yeah. that expanded to, well, if they hauled you in for questioning, then why did they do that? You must be up to something. Now it's not even that. If you get fucking pulled over, why are you getting pulled over by the cops? They must be doing something. You're just guilty by association with law enforcement. You know, I watched a, um, I can't remember what channel, like MSNBC, something like that. One of those lockups, doc, uh-huh. you know, documentary shows. And one of the things that I found most fascinating was when they were talking to the guards, they said, what type of prisoners are the worst prisoners and what type are the best? And they said, believe it or not, usually the best prisoners are murderers because most murderers, it's a, it's a, it's a moment of rage. They committed the act. But they're not, they're not career criminals. Right. Career criminals make the worst prisoners. Because it's not just, I fucked up. But that's their lifestyle. They don't know any other way to live. And the problem is, is that, just like you were saying, we have this attitude of, if you're in prison, even if you're innocent of the crime you're in prison for, just because you didn't do it this time, you've done something in the past. Right. You've de- this is just, just the first rounding time. people up randomly and throwing them in jail. Yeah, this is the first this is just the first time you've been caught doing it. Just because you're good at getting away with shit doesn't mean you're innocent. Even though there's plenty of stories where they do just randomly round up people and throw them in jail. Oh yeah, I mean we have our our it's 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 the holidays here in Michigan and I don't know if they still do this, but they it, at this time of year for you know Years and years and years, this was the warrant sweep before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a buddy who had a warrant on an outstanding uh, 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 nonviolent drug offense. And he woke up one day in December, about seven, eight years ago, to county and city cops kicking open his front door, putting a shotgun in his face, and dragging him out of his house in his underwear, handcuffed on that warrant. At like six in the morning. I mean, that's just that. That's what we do, you know. I mean, now let's be honest here. Is yeah, he committed a crime. He got caught with it. He got caught with drugs that are illegal. Yeah, we can argue about whether those drugs should be legal or not. 
But the point is, when he got caught, it was against the law. He fucked right. up. But is it really worth the manpower of the police and, and Wayne County to, right. to start fucking no-knock kicking doors open at 6 in the morning for nonviolent drug offenders? Here? Where's yeah. the detriment to society here? Exactly. But that's, to, that is, that's for the, the law and order party. And the law and, and the law and order people to go, see, we're doing something. We're getting criminals off the streets. Yeah, but you're getting people who nine times out of ten, the only crime they're ever going to commit again on that level will be another possession. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not or they're gonna get pulled over for a taillight being out, they didn't know. The cops gonna run their, their record, find the warrant, take them in. It's not like most likely most people who have outstanding warrants for nonviolent drug offenses aren't out there gangbanging. They're not fucking kingpins. They're people that got they got caught up and jammed up over fucking some weed or some fucking coke or some pills. And but we pat ourselves on the back as a society go, oh, we crack down on them. It's that tough love shit. Tough love doesn't work. If you need proof of it, find me. I'll take you around and show you some of my friends that grew up with tough love, and you can see how they turned out. All it does is make you resent the people who supposedly are supposed to be in your corner doing that to you. Tough love is more for the person giving the tough love than it is for the person receiving it. It's like brutal honesty. Most people yeah. who relish brutal honesty relish, relish the brutal part more than the honesty part. And that's, that's, that's a problem and when it's a one person in the family who does that to another person in their family, that's a that's a family issue. When it's an entire system that does that, that's a major issue. Because you just you're creating fodder for the for profit privatized prison systems and you just start going down that road and you realize once these people get in the system, it takes everything they have, thousands of dollars years to get out of it and some people never are able to get out of it mm -hmm. yeah and you know we're, we're never going to trump's not going to make any progress on opioid addiction in america if he doesn't tackle this issue i believe i'm on record as saying that when the, when he started talking about this as one of his platform issues said you're not going to make a dent in opioid addiction unless you're willing to tackle the prison industrial complex if you're not willing to look at critically how many people we are throwing into jail, a lot of them for drug addiction, drug abuse, not for dealing, for doing drugs, then you're not going to be able to tackle drug addiction at all in this country because that's what you see as therapy. Well, you, you lock them up and they can't get to their drugs and then they get clean and they get out and they're thankful. and Yeah, right. That's, that's how it happens. Or they're spiteful, self-hating, repeat the behavior even after they get out, possibly even with now an advanced criminal degree. Oh, definitely. And and even and something that, that if you've if something that's hard ostracized. You can't ostracize hard. somebody from society and expect them to still be part of it when they get out. Well, so, something that, that that a lot of people don't want to see or just don't realize, and I think the majority is in the they don't care slash don't want to see it yeah. part of locking someone up in prison is that you're putting them in an environment where 
there is no lone, tough guy individual who stands on his own. No, the herd mentality is what protects you. And the reason the herd mentality protects you is because in those environments, you're either a predator or you're prey. And there's safety in the herd. And you take someone who has no background in, in street life, no background, in, no, no knowledge as far as, as street smarts, no skills. You put them in a situation like that. Not only now are they ripe for the picking in there, but even if they don't become the prey in prison, to an extent you have to become a predator. And not necessarily in the, I'm going to look for the weakest person and exploit them the minute they come through the fucking gate, in a way of a predator by proxy of turning a blind eye to shit. Because, hey, just because they're raping the new guy over there and, you know, he's a he, you know, 17-year-old kid got stuck in here on some bullshit, you ain't going to go fucking play Superman and stop it. Why? Because then there's a target on your back. And let me tell you something. It ain't like in the movies. You don't beat up the biggest, blackest guy you can find on your first day and everyone leaves you alone. Right. You're constantly going to be tried in those situations. And it's not that you try to avoid getting into a fight. You try to avoid getting hurt, raped. It's that you try to minimize the fights you get into. Minimize the times you have to fight for your life and defend yourself. Because it's going to happen. It's a given. Yeah, I'd be awful Period. in prison. I would not do well in prison. And the the problem is, is that you don't... That plays on a person's psyche when they get out back into the world. It is so hard to, to get back into a mindset of it's okay to be a decent human being. Because even if you didn't participate in the horrible shit that goes on in prison, you turned a blind eye and a deaf ear towards it. And to your average person, that's going to fucking prey on their conscience. It just does. Period. It's the same thing with people. Even if, even if you never, if you're in the military during wartime and you serve in a war and you never fired a shot, you're going to see shit that's going to stick with you. And that's just the reality of these things. And we're not talking rapists, murderers. We're talking nonviolent people who smoked yeah. a plant or took a pill that their doctor prescribed them too yeah. much. And, right. And, and what do they have to look forward to? I mean, if you want to talk about spending years in a situation where you have nobody on your side, everyone's out to get you, including the guards, and then you come out to what? The same society that put you in there in the first place and now looks at you as something different? than your average citizen because you you were involved in criminal behavior. If, if people like to think that drug addicts are a type of person, right? There's a type of person of low moral standing who gets involved in drugs and crime and naturally gravitates towards this. When in reality, a lot of things that are... When you, when you talk about the connections between drugs and crime, and drugs aren't a gateway drug to more drugs, they're a gateway to crime because of their criminal status. Because it is because in order to just obtain drugs, you have to know somebody that is living outside the legal system. Generally. Definitely. I mean it's it 
En open the the open. Hold on, I know the word. I've said it before. The opioid crisis is only more complicated by the fact that most people who get strung out on these drugs don't intend to get strung out on these drugs. I don't give a shit what argument any junkie who who started shooting heroin and never took a pill tells me. Like if 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 that if if you just dove headfirst into the world of drugs by sticking a needle in your arm, you knew what you were getting into. Well, yeah, Those go see the a therapist. You have serotonin issues. If you if you're just hey let's uh, let's just go right for heroin, you you got deeper problems. Yeah, and the problem is is that it's it's not these people that end up being the 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 large majority of people who get th- those people just have a self-destructive streak and they're, they're just hardcore addicts born and bred for whatever reason they're wired that way, you know, and I can say that with confidence because I'm one of them and I got a lot of friends like that. You know, it's a cliche, but it's true. If one's good, a million's better. That's just how it is. That's how it is for some people. That's all there is to it. It's not, it's doesn't, doesn't matter if it's fair. It's just life. But when you start looking at, People who are 35, 40, who maybe smoked a few joints when they were younger, occasionally drink, and then they get injured, and then these doctors start fucking shoving these pills on them, and then cut them off cold turkey, and then they fucking now have to go out. And I mean, can you imagine being 43 years old, having no street knowledge, and trying to hunt down the pills you're addicted to? Right. The fuckery... The pure fuckery you're going to get up to and be and find yourself in, and that sounds like a, you know, basis for a sitcom. Quite honestly, <laughs> and then eventually you run into the guy who's like, "I don't have your pills, but I got some heroin and it's cheaper." Exactly. There, there, yeah, there's a movie called Half Nelson, and it's about a teacher who's addicted to coke, and he goes after a particularly stressful day to his dealer and he's like hey i all i have is this much money right i don't have money for coke and he goes you want that other thing the other thing turns out to be crack yeah boom you know what i'm saying it's people watch a movie like that and go that's hollywood no that's fucking real life man i've seen it i've been in bands with it i went to high school with people who went through that you know one of my friends who died two years ago who i was in a band with for six years you know, he he died at thirty-two. He didn't die at thirty-two. God damn! Because of natural causes, he died at thirty-two because he had massive back surgery, was in traction for six months, and they pumped him so full of fucking drugs when he was sixteen years old that he didn't know where the fuck he was for those six months. He was in traction, and then when he got out of traction, they cut him off cold turkey. And it it wasn't it wasn't he went straight to sticking a fucking rig in his arm. It went to. He's got a buddy who's got a who's got a parent who had Vicodin in the fucking medicine cabinet. Let me get those. Okay, now he's buying Vicodin on the street, and now it's costing him five, ten bucks a pill, depending on you know how desperate he is and and, and the supply and demand of the you know nature of prescription drugs on the street. And then literally, his dealer goes, "Dude, for all the money you fucking spend on pills." Do you know how much fucking heroin you could get? And I mean, this is from his lips to my ears. He told me, he goes, for the first six months, I just snorted it. And then he went to go 
to go pick some up, and his dealer goes, all the heroin you snorted, you know how much heroin you could save and how much higher you'd get if you just stick a needle in your arm? And then, boom, it was off to the races. That's how That's how easy it is to fall into this shit. That's not that's not poor people growing up in the hood in the white trash trailer parks growing up to be what you know we all know they're going to grow up to be and I'm talking you know obviously as a stereotype that's doctors not taking into consideration you've just had people on pills and drugs that hooked them through and through and now you're going to take them away cold turkey? How the fuck did you get out of medical school and not learn how to wean people off drugs? That's what, I mean, that's that's where the questions should be, be pointed at for the op- opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. It should be pointed at doctors who don't properly wean their patients off drugs and the pharmaceutical companies who push these drugs and downplay all the addiction issues I mean, Jesus Christ, during the Super Bowl two years ago, there was an ad for, uh, are you opioid dependent? Do you have problems taking a shit? Take our drug. You'll be regular. Yeah. How the fuck is that normal to air during the Super Bowl? But that's the society we live in because so many fucking people, Joe Blow. He's so fucked up, you can't take a shit? Yeah, Joe Try and this. James Blow in the middle in middle America are on so many painkillers, they can't take a fucking shit. So it, it becomes... It becomes okay to run commercials about it during the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that, to me, I was like, this is insanity. Yeah, when you have to come up with a drug to mitigate your side effects from your drug, maybe there's an issue somewhere. And, and you know, it's the, the other problem that gets really buried in all this is people who have chronic debilitating pain that's never going away, who can't get the drugs, when the crackdown starts. Now you got people who, no matter what, like, okay, case in point, my mom, once she reached a certain point with her cancer, I, they kept up in her dose of Oxycontin and Oxycodone, and I was like, I mean, how are we going to get her off of these drugs? And the doctor looked at me and just said, we're never getting her off of these drugs. She'll off. be on them the rest of her life. In yeah. fact, all she's going to do is take more and more of these drugs and at a certain point, it's not even going to take care of the pain. It's just going to take it down to a dull roar. And then we'll just try to make her as comfortable as possible until she goes. I mean, so you got people with chronic pain who's never going to get better. And they can't get the drugs from their doctor because the overcorrection is we have to clamp down on them. Where are they going to go? What's going to happen? You've just created a whole class of criminals. And, and like you said, once you've done your time and you get out, we've created a permanent underclass. Oh, you have a drug conviction? A felony drug conviction at that? Don't plan on voting. Don't plan on any government jobs. Don't plan on any a student. You're never getting a student loan to go to college. That's not going to happen. You know, I really never thought of it that almost 40 years old. Never really thought of it that way till you put it that way. This episode is how are we? How, how, how are you expected to rejoin society if you're not allowed to participate in it? Never really yeah. thought of it that way. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. We, we, we kind of tie both hands behind your back and go, all right, go. What oh, it's you, definitely what, a what case you, of... What are you supposed to do? It's, it's hog tying a person and throwing them into a pool and then laughing at them because they can't swim. Right. If, if you can't get a legit no. job, how are you supposed to go legit? Right. No, because... yeah. The, they are essentially ostracized. I mean, if we could kick them out of the country, we would. 
This is well, Canada, wasn't Canada would send them right back. <laughs> yeah, you can't wasn't vote. That, you can't get a good job. Like, uh, yeah. You want to know how much we care about this in, in this country? That story was buried down in the health section of my Google News feed. And what made it up into top stories was that everybody, everybody's sober addiction, the smartphone, was being fucked with by Apple. <laughs> that if you have an older model iPhone, Apple was intentionally slowing it down in order to save you battery life. And people were like, that's it. That's insane. Yeah. No, dude, you, you, you're, you're just now figuring out that we're all full of shit. I mean, dude, I mean, it's... Like, go say, no, but I'm go just say the that, name Daniel Shaver to somebody and see if they even know who the fuck he is. That, that, that's just the, the daily indication yeah. of, of what we really give a shit about. But see, you hit the nail on the head, though. Drug addiction is still a dirty a dirty issue and a dirty phrase to a lot of people in this country. Yeah. But being completely addicted through and through to your cell phone is an acceptable addiction. Yes. It's one we roll our eyes at anytime we see, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy issue to get upset about, but really do nothing about, you know, Oh, look at these fucking kids, their face buried in their phone. You can't even have a conversation with someone in public anymore. Cause everyone's got their face buried in their phone. People, like to act like that they're enraged by that but let's be honest nine times out of ten their face is buried in their phone yeah. so and if you're listening to this on your phone thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> well look you know it, it it's all about the the definition of addiction right which comes with uh undesirable results it's not necessarily about just repeated behavior if everybody had their nose in their cell phone all the time and they were all hyper-informed voters and we didn't end up with people like Trump in charge, I would say, okay, well, let's roll with it. Like, <laughs> this is obviously working out for the better, but it's not. You know, most of, of what people are doing is playing some stupid game or... Uh, you know, reading some stupid gossip or what have you. They're, they've got all the information in the goddamn world in their fucking pocket. And that's what they choose to do with it. So it isn't... I mean, like, I, I'm as guilty as, you know, messing with my cell phone as much as the next person. And I, I'm fucking holding my iPhone in my hand right now. Yes. Like, I... I just, I just checked mine. Well, I right before that. I will confess to having a damn near unhealthy relationship with this phone. I fetishize this thing, and it's nice, isn't it? It it is, and there's you know a, a lot of this is just appreciation for design and a well built product and the feel of it. There is a lot to it, but. Jesus Christ, you're talking about... It sounds like you're talking about a woman that you're attracted to. Boy, she's built well, and she feels good in my arms, right. and she's good to look at. And <laughs> I'm telling you, though, like... the Come, I, come down, Joaquin. <laughs> I, I don't know what the 10 is like, but the iPhone 8 is just the most beautiful phone that I've ever held in my hand. <laughs> 
It really is. Well, this is part of just the podcast the, where we leave Aaron alone. <laughs> just the, the With terms his phone? and everything to it. I mean, as you, every other phone... Like you flick at with your finger. This one I lovingly stroke in order to <laughs> to advance pages. The, the way the, the the edges are beveled and everything, it's just so it's so tactilely perfect to interact with. Aaron, I, I, I have to I've never done that with my cell phone. But it, <laughs> my first serious girlfriend, this is back when like guitar was still an obsession and I, w- I was, uh, I, we were sitting, we were watching TV, and you know, I would, you know, play my guitar, goof around, and stuff like that. She caught me like rubbing my hand over the like, like, like I had the, the Stratocaster. There's a Stratocaster. I had it neck up, and she caught me like rubbing the curves. And she's like, <laughs> "Well, I wish you caressed me like you caressed that." And I'm like, <laughs> and I looked at it, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it does kind of look like." Oh, well. But you, but you don't sound like this thing. This thing sounds way better than you. So it, even though I'm sitting here laughing about you doing it with a phone, I've done it with an inanimate object myself. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, hey, a Stratocaster, if you like hourglass-type women, you buy a Stratocaster. If you like bottom-heavy women, you buy a Les Paul. Chris, oh. what did you play? Les Paul. And I play a Stratocaster, so... <laughs> I just proved my point. <laughs> the defense rest. I have like two of them. Dude, you're so nailing it. I'm way more of a Strat guy than a, <laughs> a West Paul guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, I mean, once again, though, it, here, I, this is and, and this is just my personal view on it. I don't necessarily... I'm not as... I'm not as militant as Todd is about, you know, the, the technologies and, and the, the, the bullshit that comes with them necessarily. Right. But I do understand where he's coming from because one of the things I did, and it was a completely, it was only because it, practically I could not keep the bullshit time-wasting games on my phone because I was running out of memory. I uninstalled all of them. And I found once I did that, I'm no longer tethered to my phone when I'm out. And when I get home, I literally set my phone down. Sometimes if I have two, three days off in a row, I can't even use where's my droid to find my phone because the battery's dead and it won't ring. And so I got to go on a fucking Easter egg hunt for my phone around the house because I just don't care to have it near me enough. But when I had the games on it, they kept bringing me back, you know, I, I, you know on, the, on the toilet, playing Candy Crush or whatever the fuck, you know. Oh, a commercial's uh, on. Let me do this. And I can't fast forward the commercial. Let me fucking dick around with this. I can't live in that world. I'm jealous because of my yeah. J-O-B. But, <laughs> but just, but it's just a tool, right? I mean, the same way that a guitar is just a tool. People can do great things with it, but mostly they just wank off with it. Hey, man. My guitar screams for me, not at me. <laughs> okay, she doesn't get jealous when I finger another guitar's G string. Right. All right. I, I, it's, well, that it's, is the difference. The it's about who's controlling the relationship here. You know, a, a big part of it is, and most phones have this type of uh, their operating systems allow you to now control 
every aspect of the notifications that you get. And when we first started getting cell uh, smartphones, they were just beeping at us constantly. And I had to, it wasn't even that long ago that I had to come to the realization that it's not that I don't want to get all these emails. It's that I don't need to know about any of them in real time. <laughs> right? I want to have, when I have to buy cat food, I want to make sure that I have that coupon that PetSmart sent me. Right? But I don't need to be no I don't need that notification at two thirty on a Wednesday. No shit, right? So if you just turn off a lot of the notifications and just understand that you're gonna open your phone, you're gonna check Twitter, you're gonna check your email. Just don't let Twitter decide when you spend time on your phone, when your attention's devoted to that. Well, there was what? There was a, uh, a report that, and it focused on the younger crowd. And I'm not, I swear, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm shitting on the younger crowd, but I'm not. It's just that's, that's the group that they studied. And I'm sure if, you looked at, if they looked at older people, they'd find it, it was just as much. That the average teenager checks their phone over a hundred times a day. I mean, think about that. Oh, I don't know. I, think, don't want, I don't even want to know. I mean, if I, I don't do anything a hundred times a day, that's like a, a not, that, that isn't like breathing, taking steps, you know, things you have to do. Wouldn't involve chafing. Yeah. <laughs> well, if know, I could do that a hundred times a day, I wouldn't be on this podcast. dude. That's true. Certainly, there's, there's be busy uh, right now. It's inarguable that you know millennials grew up with this technology and they are just more comfortable with it. But that they're also just more open and sharing about it. There's there's just as many fucking baby boomers and Gen Xers and everybody else. Oh yeah, definitely. That are, that are just as addicted, but that but they're shameful about how much they use their phone. They might hide or lie about or say, oh, yeah, no, totally. Sometimes I leave my phone at home when you know it never happens because they don't, they're not proud or it's just not natural behavior in their minds. You know, and exactly because I, I, I work at work, my work, I work with predominantly younger people. Most of them are like early to mid-20s. And inevitably during downtime, you know, we start talking about, you know, shit that's happened and start telling stories. And it, it happens at least maybe once a week, maybe, maybe once every other week where I'm telling the story. And one of my younger coworkers goes, why didn't you just pick, grab your cell phone and call and get some help when you broke down in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, because it was 1995. Yeah, I didn't have a cell phone. Cell phones are for the the one percent in 1995. Exactly. Like I, I didn't, I didn't a have minute. a. There was a time where people didn't have cell phones, but they had cars. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. How did you? Did how, you have to so pedal with you your feet? To your, how did you listen to Spotify if you didn't have your phone <laughs> yeah. in your car? It's like Spotify. How would you it, listen to Joe Rogan? So you it, grew up was, with Fred Flintstone. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's. It's just foreign to them. They're like, oh, my God. And I even find myself, as much as I, when I, you know, get home, leave my phone in another room, whatever, let it die. If I leave the house, there's 
uh, it's it's almost a habit now. I check, okay, I, I pat my back, you know, right pocket, got my wallet, got my keys, and then I pat my, my left front pocket, and if I don't feel my phone, I'm like, oh, shit, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, it's on the checklist now. You know, keys, smokes, balls, you know, wallet. It, you know, phone became part of the checklist a good 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not like a, a, a big cell phone guy, but still, it, it when I when I forget my phone and I'm out driving, the first thing that pops in my head is, oh shit, what if something happens? Oh, I don't know. You'll survive like you did for the first thirty years of your life. Yes, you know, you, you especially nowadays, everyone has a cell phone. If I'm on the side of the road with my four ways on and my hood up, and someone, you know, well, in fantasy land where someone would stop. You know, they're going to let me use their cell phone. If they're going to stop, they're going to let me use their cell phone. You know what I'm saying? It's just period. So I, really, what, what am I freaking out about? I, it's comfort. Mm-hmm. It's become part of my daily routine, just like it's become part of all our daily routines. That's true. You know, uh, pertaining to, again, this uh, Apple story about the slowing down iPhones, my first thought was, any is anybody surprised? Like, you're criticizing Apple for being too controlling of the user experience with their products. Isn't that kind of their ethos? I've had Isn't a, that what they built their whole business around? I've had an iPhone since 2008, and I've been fully integrated into the ecosystem since like 2012. Or no, 20, whatever, right. whatever you started this, 2014. And my initial reaction was, so? I didn't even read the story. <laughs> right. I mean, that is the, the big difference between Apple and Android and Apple and Windows is, I mean, right there in the operating systems, you have a lot more control with non-Apple products over the experience that you want to have. If you're going to buy an Apple product, you have to understand that you have to have the Apple experience. They are going to control more of what you can do with that product and how you interact with it, how you can modify it. If you that's, can modify it. Right, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, just, there's a lot of things that you just don't have control over. So this is just one more thing. I mean, I think it's kind of shitty. I think that should be something that you should have as an option to decide, what, you know, do you want better performance or better battery life? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I've not been indoctrinated into the Apple cult. Mm-hmm. In any way whatsoever, um, but can you turn down or or not update your phone and it still work to a point? I mean, or does it automatically update? You don't have a choice, you and you can't set it to where you oh, have to oh, go. Oh no, yeah, you oh, can update ready, I, and you have to manually make it install. Oh no, no, yeah, you can you can not update it for sure. But to a point with certain devices, certain operating systems will only work, uh, you know, so far back. You'll you also get to the point where you're like, oh, I want to download this new app that everyone's talking about. Yeah. Oh, so I, I can't. I think if you you're still rocking an yeah. iPhone... I have to upgrade my OS. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're still rocking an iPhone 3G, iOS 11 ain't going to work on it. Like, I have a, I have an iPad. I think, yeah. I, I think I have the third or fourth generation of ipad i have the last thick one and yeah the new operating system doesn't work on this one it's i'm stuck at ios 10 
I, you know, yep. the more the more I hear about Apple products from you guys, the more I'm so glad there was a fateful day back in the, the, the when dinosaurs roamed the earth in a time called the early 2000s, where a buddy of mine who's who's very tech savvy was like, "Okay, so you want a new home computer? What do you want to do with it?" I said, "Well, basically, surf the internet, you know, listen to music, and and maybe record on it." I was thinking of getting an Apple, and his exact words were. Until you have to be indoctrinated into the cult, don't volunteer to be indoctrinated into the cult. And on top of it, do you have four thousand dollars to spend? Right, because <laughs> you can get a PC that can do everything you want it to, that you're telling me you want for a few hundred bucks, no problem. But once you go Apple, it's kind of and he didn't put it as as eloquently as you did, Aaron. But it is. It's the experience because I go to, over to his house, everything's fucking Apple. At one point, his seven-year-old daughter was running around with a with a with a, a, a an iPad. It cost more than my laptop. It's a status thing too. Is it was well, the status thing? It becomes kind of a. It's like a almost a compatibility issue. Once you you know interact with your phone in a certain way, and then you can have that same experience with your computer. Well, why not? Yeah. Hey, in de- in Do I- in defense to your friend, Rich. My laptop's in 2012. I am in no hurry to update it. And this, my iPad, don't care that it doesn't run iOS 11. Does what yeah. I need it. Like, not, I'm not, not going iPad shopping anytime soon either. Yeah, I, I'm not fully indoctrinated, but I will swear to the build quality of every Apple product that I've come in, in, in that I've encountered. Oh, no, I remember when. The very first podcast I was on, coming to the studio, and I'm like, oh, you got a tablet over there? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I went over and I looked at it, and I'm like, god damn, screen's cracked and all that shit. And it still works. And you're like, it's an Apple, man. Yeah. Built built better. You, you get what you pay for. Granted, I got this used, but I got I a good that, used uh, one. I won it in a contest. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well... Yeah, like I said, I'm not, Mine's I'm not fully indoctrinated, but to give you an idea of where I'm at currently, there's an Apple sticker on my Toshiba laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got Apple style with Toshiba money. <laughs> okay, I recently I saw a picture of a left-handed relict Stevie Ray Vaughan signature Stratocaster, uh-huh. and it made my brain hurt. And I don't think it made my brain hurt just as much as you telling me you have an Apple sticker on your Toshiba. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you ever just look at something and go, "Is that a? Am I seeing that right? Let me close this eye. Let me look at it. Is this one of those pictures you unfocus and you see the sailboat? What am I missing here? You know, like it, it's it's like buying a Les Paul that says Fender Stratocaster on the headstock. It makes no right. sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, uh, what's is it from uh, Mean Girls? And they're talking about seeing a teacher out in public. And they're like, it's like watching a dog walk on its hind legs. Ex- it's yeah. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like seeing The Last Jedi and thinking it's good. Oh, shots fired. So we know Ooh. we got Chris's review. <laughs> hey, yeah. Oh, but just real quick before uh, we dive into The Last Jedi review. Um, I've been watching, you know, my, my 
new favorite sitcom is uh, Good News. Have you guys seen this? No. It's a, a Tina Fey production. And if you're at all a fan of 30 Rock, I think you'd really enjoy it. What is it on? Halfway through the first season, it's not as good. Is it network shows? Is it Netflix? It is. It's on Hulu. I think. I guess it's on NBC. All right. But um, it's got uh, Andrea Martin's in it, and oh shit! Oh, I think I've seen something about the who's that actor? He was also, uh, I believe, he was from SCTV as as well. Um, I can't yeah, remember, but he always plays the straight lace kind of nerdy guy. Dave Thomas. It's either Rick, Dave Thomas or the guy who looks like Dave Thomas. Rick Moranis? No, 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 not him. I'm no. just saying SECTV is going back quite a ways. Right. Eugene Levy? No. <laughs> Run, Caterpillar eyebrows? No. I say John Candy's dead. Run, running out of people on SCTV, people right. know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, well, let's, let's, let's say this right if you haven't seen the Last Jedi and you don't want it spoiled, I, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. say it's a safe bet. There's, We're gonna end the show talking about it, so just go ahead and yeah, next listen. We'll see you next week. Mark right, down the time yeah. and come back to this after you've seen it because it's going to be ruined. There's no way it's not. So yeah, I don't think I could talk critically about this without completely spoiling it. This is a weird one, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, uh, not for me. Okay, well, you you go first. What, what's your impression? I'm not. Well, I'm convinced I could be a screenwriter. <laughs> My problem with this movie is all in the dialogue. All in the script. Is yeah. all in the dialogue. That is my. That is well, my entire know. problem with this movie. Is the script in general, the the, the stage direction, the dialogue. I don't I, know what Ryan Johnson did before this. Was he a fry cook? No, nah, he made brick, man. I can't, I can't completely disagree with you, but I guess I would challenge you to point to me the Star Wars movie that is a fantastic script. I guess for me... Because it's for, not what they built the franchise on. For me, I guess it was vernacular problems, vernacular issues. Like words none of these characters have ever used before or would ever use, right. or words that may not even exist in the universe. I guess... I've, it, <sighs> I think it's personified in the the opening scene. The opening scene. The opening well, scene. I was already going really like when when he's going. Please hold. When, you know, or holding right. for. You know, I was like, what? Like there was something about Star Wars that has a timeless quality, right? That's what helped allow it to endure. The f not just the fact that it takes place in a galaxy far, far away in some undetermined time, but there was a style to it that seemed like, you know, Luke Skywalker as a young kid wasn't using the vernacular of the late 70s. Hey, Han, do me a solid. Right. Yeah. It's just to me, too. And just and that joke, that's like a 1980s joke, a hold please joke. Like. That's like 1980s, like officing. That's like from Dilbert, right. like. And, and so yeah, there was something definitely about this movie that seemed to tie itself to popular culture. Were you waiting for Poe Dameron to go? 
X-Wings. What's the deal with them? <laughs> I know, right? right. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, Chris, you had, you had mentioned to me what really got you was uh, after uh, the, the battle where Luke comes out at yeah, the I, end. That was... And, and all they all fire on him at once, and then he just walks away unscathed and kind of does a little dust off on the shoulder thing. Like he's if fucking you're feeling Jay-Z. like a pimp, nigga, go and brush your shoulders yeah. off. <laughs> Ladies and pimps, dude, go and brush your shoulders dude, off. Dude, I laughed at right. that scene, and then I realized, wait, I'm not laughing because that was funny. Really? Because like I, that was one of the moments. Like every time I saw a porg, where I just kind of. Like felt ill because yeah they they were pretty gratuitous and so you serve no purpose and we're in the movie for like four scenes oh no it served a purpose they were there to get it's to get kids to buy them or parents to buy them for their kids they were there to shame Chewbacca on his meal choice well the the purpose actually started for practical reasons um the 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 whole reason that they have the porgs in there. Not to say that they wouldn't have found some other ridiculous animal, but the reason it was some weird bird-shaped thing is because the island that they were filming the Luke scenes on was so infested with puffins that they couldn't get any clear shots without having hundreds of puffins in it. And so they just digitally remade those puffins as porgs. Okay, first of all, are you fucking with me? I am totally not fucking with just you. Edit them okay, out. second of all, what the fuck's a puffin? Is it's it a tribble? It's a, well, it's a cousin of the, of the toucan. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> if a toucan and a penguin fucked. I'm just picturing like a tribble but with weight fly. issues. <laughs> but no, like if you put, all you do is you take a porg and you put a beak on it and you basically have a puffin. That's okay, what they look on. like. And, oh, okay, okay, okay. I and got I'm you. totally not fucking. And, and yet, it would have been more expensive, way more expensive, to digitally edit them out than t- instead to. Because I mean, think of it. A lot they have the, a lot of these big establishing shots of the island, and the porgs are flying all around it. It would take a lot more manpower and computer programming to remove all those things than to just maybe tweak the color slightly so it looks like those could be porgs. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm sitting here looking at a Google image search for Puffin. Yeah. These things look alien enough to where they could have just left them in the movie as is. Right. Like, the beaks are multicolored, their eyes have a strange shape to them, etc., etc. this is interesting, though, because they made the decision not to have it just be a Puffin. Why? Because we have never seen a beast outside of a human in in the Star Wars universe that exists in our real universe. Nobody has a dog. Nobody's got a cat in Star Wars. And also, nobody does stupid hold for jokes or brushes off their shoulder. Because <laughs> like to me, that ruined those are that. things from our world that ruined they don't that scene. Exist. Like, yeah. like, cause, like, cause right, right, that it was perfect. Because right up then, I was like, I was going along. Like, it was one of the few times. Another issue I had. It was one of the few times in the movie I actually got emotionally involved. It's like, yeah, bitch, that's right. And then he brushes yeah, his shoulder off, bad. and he fucking ruined it. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is that Mark Hamill apparently has said in a, either a tweet or an interview or something that his initial reaction to the script when he read 
when he read it was this isn't my Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And and Ryan Johnson was talking about how much of a handful it was to work with Luke. And it seems to be because of a lot of the pushing back of the character decisions that were made. I was like, yeah, have you ever seen Star Wars? Have you ever seen Star he, Wars movie Ryan Johnson? Well, and yeah, he said that a Jedi would never give up. That he might have been disillusioned at some point, but that wouldn't have ruined his whole life and made him forsake his connection to the Force. But, you know, he said, uh, Mark Hamill said that he had to give over to the idea that, you know, obviously this isn't his version of Luke Skywalker. You know, these aren't things that he has control over. He said that he he started to think of the character as Jake Skywalker and not, and not Luke <laughs> Skywalker. Shitty brother. <laughs> it's like, it's like, this is uh, the Rob Lowe commercials. This is scumbag Rob Lowe. This is cool Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those. But, <laughs> but this is interesting. You know, there's a lot about this that I don't completely buy into that. Because that's Mark Hamill's idea of that character that he played. But that the story of Luke Skywalker in this movie is perfectly in line with all the other stories of these characters that we've seen in the Star Wars universe. It there, what it kind of blows up is the idea that there is something extra special about Luke, right? There is something special about him that was different than his father that would keep him from going over into the dark side. And I guess you could even argue that maybe there was, because when he saw the darkness, instead of fighting it, he gave up, but he didn't give in to it. I mean, that's somewhat commendable. I think the universe would have rather had... Uh, a Luke Skywalker that said fuck it and dipped out of society completely then said fuck it I'm going to take over the universe because uh, he could have stepped into Darth Vader's shoes and been that guy okay, okay well before we get too deep into the you know the characters and, and, okay. and motivations yes. and stuff um, the thing the thing that stuck with me about this movie or, or the the, the, the couple things that stuck out that left me going, I think I need to watch it again, was there were a lot of moments in this movie that took me out of the movie. Yes. And one of the things with almost every, even the prequels, as shitty and stilted the dialogue and cheesy as some of the CGI looks, because I, I, I rewatched uh, Revenge of the Sith, and I'm just watching the scene where Mace is talking to the Mace Windu is talking to, to to Senator Palpatine, and I'm just like, like, holy shit! How did I think these backgrounds looked anything like real backgrounds? It looks <laughs> like it looks like someone whipped out their 386 and made graphics to go behind Samuel L. Jackson standing there. But I never was taken out of the Star Wars universe. It was it was never like, wait, what? That wait, how how did that happen? And and the, the the times I was taken out was right. Anakin never jumped on a skateboard and started doing radical things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Anakin wasn't doing Christ airs. You know what I'm saying and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no. Uh, uh, one was, and I I know that this is getting a lot of debate on the internet, but the Leia scene, her her Mary Poppins scene, right. <laughs> that just that I, I 
I went, okay, hold on a sec. My eyes still hurt from how hard I rolled them. <laughs> okay, I understand she's a Skywalker. Yes. I understand she's Luke's twin. I understand that, that in the Star Wars universe, at least after the prequels, you are either, you have midichlorians and you're force sensitive or you don't. And she obviously, because of her lineage, has a lot of them. However, there is there is another. I was just like, hey, exactly. Hey, hey thanks for finally using the force. That, that was my reaction. <laughs> like, oh, wait. well, but but, eight, but the thing eight is, movies she in, used a force power. She used a force power, and she's not the only one to do it in this movie. That has never existed in the Star Wars universe, canon or expanded universe, Disney approved or not. There's, I've never now in the Timothy Zahn trilogy. The first one, the Thrawn trilogy, there's a, there's a part where Luke has a long way to travel, even going light speed, so he goes into a Jedi hibernation state. Okay, I can buy that. It's kind of like, you know, almost like a very deep meditation where your heart beats four times a minute or whatever the fuck. I get that. That's in line with the, the idea of the Jedi and, and the Force. But the fact that she survived open space, opened her eyes, yeah, and force pushed herself off of nothing back to the ship, I was like, okay, maybe the strongest force user in the history of the Star Wars universe could have pulled something like that off. Yeah. But it, she's not a Jedi, period. She yeah. hasn't had Jedi training. There's been no indication of it. And there's way and, and and this is my this was my problem with Ray in the first movie. There's way too many times when oh you're force sensitive, you just automatically know all the tricks. You can use yeah. you can use a mind a Jedi mind trick on Kylo Ren. Yeah, love and you just found out what the force was twelve hours ago. And it, it only took Ray two tries to to learn to, to use the force. Mm-hmm. And and then and then the other time I was taken out of the movie. No, wait, reach out with your feelings. Oh, but, oh but wait, okay, it, is that what you meant? I want to I want to address that that moment though. If you if you can save that for a second. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Clearly, the force is whatever it needs to be for whoever's working on the movie. Oh, um, it is the, that, the, the, <laughs> the, the 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 what is it? Where the the literary tro- uh, trope where basically God comes down and saves people. That's what the force has turned into in this new trilogy. Yeah. The deus yeah, the, ex machina. The, thank you. The hands, the hands of the gods getting involved in order to move the plot forward. Um, secondly, I did kind of justify the concept of that. Like if you are, if you're out in space, you're weightless you have no friction working against you. You have nothing to propel yourself off of. But if you have the power to, under the planet's normal gravity, to make objects come to you, that same type of attraction could be possibly used to propel you to that object, especially if you're in a, in a weightless environment. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of buy into that. Right. It's pretty much how I, I reconciled that scene with myself. <laughs> right. If I can make a lightsaber fly into my hand from across the room, then I, if I'm weightless in space, I should be able to create enough force to pull me towards a large object. I can kind of get that. The problem with the way that this plays out is that 
our only indication that Leia has any type of power is what Yoda said 20 years ago. And if there was just the least little bit of foreshadowing of her doing something, of her applying the force in some way, or a little reveal, one or two shots of just her doing something to imply like, oh, she's got some power there, and maybe she's more powerful than she's letting on. And then there's the reveal. And there was a lot of things that, that played out in this movie that wanted to be big shocker moments, right? And that was one of them. But you can't just pull that out of nowhere, right? The whole reason that The Sixth Sense works as a twist is because it was right there in front of you and you just didn't put the pieces together. Yep. Right? You have to be taken along for the ride in order to have that surprise reveal be effective. It can't just be something that comes out of left field. Yeah, and I've so argued. He didn't I argued. earn that moment. As a filmmaker, he did not allow Princess Leia's character to earn that moment where she reveals herself to be more powerful than everyone thought. Well, and, and just like in The Sixth Sense, I when that movie came out and I saw it, and a buddy of mine had seen it, we were talking about it. I said, he goes, oh, that's bullshit, man. That's bullshit. Because he was talking to people. <laughs> he was talking yeah. to people, and people were talking to him. And I said, you're half right. He was talking to people. Even that dinner scene with his wife, she never acknowledged him. Yep. Okay, go back and rewatch it. And he did, and he goes, fuck you, man. You always got to be right, don't you? And, I, and I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, no, it ain't, about, it ain't about always being right. It's just, I, it, it yeah. tricked it tricks you into thinking that you're seeing something that you're not. And right. I, I'm with you. And I think but, that yeah, is but the reveal makes sense because you are already thinking of him as an invisible person because of the way that people are, the other characters are treating him. You're just not going all the way with it and thinking that he's not actually there. Exactly. And one of my, so far two thirds into this new trilogy, you put it better than I was going to put it. There's a lot of unearned shit going on. There's a lot of shit that wasn't foreshadowed. The most foreshadowing that Leia had force ability was at the end of Return of the Jedi when, when the second Death Star exploded and Han goes, I'm sure Luke got off, and she kind of gets the thousand-yard stare, the infamous, oh, I sense that he's fine, and she goes, no, oh, he did. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, right. that's just sensing something. You know what I'm saying? That's a, you could have chalked that up to a twin connection. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. it, it could you could have went mean, they, either way with they it. They kind of alluded to it when uh, Kylo Ren was going to fucking blow the shit up and he fucking hesitated and he didn't. With, they, they, yeah. they had that, yeah, that moment. Yeah, but that's the same thing. And, like, yeah, there was a connection there. And maybe yeah. it was a force or maybe it was because that's his fucking mom. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Now, now the, but, the, the, the other one that took me out of the movie that made me go... Wait a minute. And I, I don't know if this is a valid criticism or not, because I doubt many people upon the first watching caught it, was when Luke shows up at the base on, uh, I forget the name of the planet, uh, the, the abandoned rebel base that they retreated to. Right. Hoth he comes, Yeah. <laughs> he comes, <clears throat> excuse me, he comes walking in, and I'm like, 
did he stop at an intergalactic uh, bow ricks and get a haircut? Because mm-hmm. no. all his all his fucking <laughs> Almond Brothers nineteen seventies hair was cut back to the the Man, farm his beard boy was died, but remember it was, it was his projection though it was yeah. his but see but see and then once it was see, it was revealed to be his projection I was like wait a minute how the fuck did he physically interact with Leia then because yeah, the dice hands. disappeared Disappe- well but Kylo Ren found him at the end of the movie. So they didn't. That's the other thing. No, so, they, no they the, disappear in the hand from Kylo Ren. Yeah, the dice from the from the Millennium Falcon. Is that what we're talking about? That yeah, because Luke, Luke, Luke physically when he went to the Millennium Falcon by himself pulled him off. Right. Well, here, here's the theory behind this. The theory is that they originally wrote a version of this and filmed it where Luke does actually travel to the planet and do his final stand. But also said because piece of junk, be, it's hunk of junk. Because of whatever reason, it got rewritten as him force projecting himself. They put in this extra scene of the dice being found and then disappearing. Because that was, if you were going to say that he was, you know, force projecting himself, then he couldn't have physically interacted with anyone. It, I don't know. Not to toot, not to try and toot my horn, but. I got it right away. Like as soon as I saw him with the trimmed beard and I mean, it was more than that. Like he looked younger. It wasn't just like, I'm going to comb my hair so I can go fight the the first order, <laughs> you know, make myself look right. Get my dress for men. It was, it was clearly a younger version. He's, he's over there before I, he leaves, before he leaves for the planet. Hey, uh, right. ghost Obi-Wan and Yoda are my eyebrows on fleek. Good. Let's yeah. do this. And, Actually, what I thought originally was that he had already died, that he had made some sort of sacrifice in order to, you know, have this, use this astral version of himself. In the same way that Jedi's before him have. Obi-Wan was more useful dead than alive. He he decided to, you know, die at the hands of Vader no, in I, order I mean, to, I, to help Luke. I got you on that. Now... Now, the, the, in general, what took me out of the movie, and yeah. I know that this is just, you know, Chris touched on it, and this is just a matter of, I guess, taste, was I, I heard I heard one friend post online, he said, what the fuck's with all the, the Benny Hill slapstick shit? Star Wars ain't funny. And I'm, I was thinking, Star Wars is really fucking funny at times. It's just like Die Hard. Right. Die Hard's really funny at times, but it's not a comedy per se. Well, Han Solo... It gives but, the most pimp, funny answer to "I love you" I've ever heard in forty years of breathing. Yeah, I know, baby. You know what I'm no, saying? My, my, my yeah. thing is, is to me, it seems like Harrison Ford was your humor guy in this universe because there really wasn't that much in the first three, or, you know, well, the, the prequels, and it seems like they were rotating the jokes to see, all right, who's which, which character's voice me. is going to suit the humor that we need to have in this because Harrison so Harrison Ford and his comedic timing is gone. I would say I would say yeah Harrison Ford but I I would say more of the comedic the the comedic relief come from the interaction between R2 and, and 3PO. Yeah. And that is something that is to me sadly missing in in yeah in in these in in these this trilogy and if you want it if you want to interject humor in there it's right there in front of you. Use it. 
and mm-hmm. right, it's, 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 not it's about, being underused. It's yeah, I didn't get the the criticism that the movie was had too many uh, laugh lines in it. I mean, I just kept thinking about... And too many things that wanted to be laugh lines. Like, it, uh, fucking Han Solo shooting the console and saying, it was a boring conversation anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's right there in the first fucking movie. So, it, yeah, there were, there's certainly a place for the jokes. It's just that, again, they just landed with a thud on most people because they seemed so out of touch with the universe the star wars universe well i'm gonna say the reaction in the crowd was kids were laughing at the jokes yeah whereas the adults were mostly silent right you know what it it was it was like watching the transformers movies you know, I was excited to go see that first Transformers. And I was like, this thing looks fucking awesome. This is my childhood toys come to life. And then they're fucking talking with weird accents and calling each other bitch. I'm like, but you you just told me that they're fucking aliens. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was excited to see Transformers, and then I saw you, it. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I get it. Star Wars ultimately is is going to appeal to kids, even the original trilogy, more so than, than a lot of adults. Yeah, well, I mean, guess what? You, kids' parents got to take them to the fucking movie. Well, here's the thing. You got to remember, we have, Star Wars is as old as I am. I mean, it came out like a month after I was born. We grew up with it. Yeah. If, if my dad and my mom were still alive and they watched this movie, I, am, I would imagine, well, uh, case in point, uh... The, the 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 prequel trilogy you know i the first one i went with my mom to go see and she is you know obviously went and took me as a little kid to see star wars etc cetera, etc cetera, and we left the theater and her the first thing she said is it just didn't feel like a real star wars movie well, it I, felt like someone doing a star wars movie her defense, it was the phantom menace <laughs> well no but and that's but that's the thing it's like I, I get it. There's a different tone to every to every trilogy, but I mean, if I think the the, the difference between J.J. Abrams' script for the for the Force Awakens and his direction and Ryan Johnson's are just too extreme. And on yeah. top of that, Ryan J.J. Jo- Abrams set up the the trilogy with who's Snoke, who's Ray's parents, and Ryan Johnson come in and totally erased that and answered. Yeah. None of those questions. And mm-hmm. I got to wonder, except for the fact that maybe Kylo was was lying to her by telling her they yes, were, just, yes. they were drunk, drunkers. Yeah, I am not buying Kylo's explanation. I'm not. But yeah, but, but I, even the I'm, Force told her that, it, it, that she asked who her parents were and that you know she saw a reflection of herself. But I'm wondering how much damage control, for lack of a better term, J.J. Abrams is going to have to do with this last one. Dude, I think that's because, why he got signed down for the next one. Is someone saw a screen oh, yeah. or this and went, "Oh shit, uh, yeah, JJ, we need you for nine. But but once, but but just like you said, and to back that up, it wasn't at least to me, it wasn't a horrible movie. It it's just not. let's, it just doesn't fit into the Skywalker story. First, yeah. first of all, it's a slice of life movie that takes place over what thirty six hours. It moves. The general story 
nowhere. Yes. It takes it takes the common thread in all three trilogies, which is the Skywalkers, and minimizes them. If 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 Kylo was telling Ray the truth, and what in Ray's vision wasn't influenced by Ky- Kylo, and she isn't a Skywalker somehow, or or you know somehow related to Obi Wan, something along those lines, then what the fuck are we telling this story for? Yeah, this is no longer the 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 the, the story of how one family fucked up a whole galaxy for three yes. generations. This. My problem with this story is it didn't know what it wanted to be. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, at the end of Force Awakens, I was fired up. Like, yeah. Oh, man, I got to wait two years. This is some bullshit. This shit's going to be good. And at the end of this one, I just sat there and was like, hmm. I just, it, yeah. it, this no, movie, so- it, it didn't answer any questions. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It seemed like it was trying to be everything to everyone. I just... Yeah. This is like a Michael Bay Star Wars movie, in my opinion. Like, it looked great. Yes, it it really did. And there's, there's still a lot of good things that I have to say about this movie. I didn't, I didn't hate it. You know, Snoke's a perfect example. Um, with a lot of these genre films, the more that have been coming out, the bigger problem is finding a really good villain. And clearly they're far and few between, or else they wouldn't keep putting Loki in every fucking Marvel film. <laughs> you know, the, DC, Marvel, they both have this big problem with getting a compelling villain on the screen. And in in The Last Jedi, I mean, Grant, this was a, a villain that was already set up in the previous movie, well, we got to see a lot more of them here, and I thought it was fantastic CGI work, a great character design, and a super compelling voice actor. He was a great villain for somebody who did nothing but sit on the throne the whole time that we saw him. And that is the problem, is that they completely wasted him. Yeah, he was, he was a toothless threat. He was, it was, he was all bark and no bite. I mean... I just when when okay when I started seeing the lightsaber turn mm-hmm. on his on the armrest of his throne, the first thing that went to my mind was, oh please tell me they're not going to kill him with this half-ass parlor trick that's going on right now. Because if right. he's supposed to be this all-powerful he's... Sith, mm-hmm. first of all, Palpatine would have been like, oh p- bitch, please. Yeah, I, I, that's I what thought, Palpatine would have said. I thought for sure that that was that. Kylo is going to get his ass kicked for trying that shit. Yeah, Richard, you're, you're hitting on something, too, that I, so much of this movie was predictable. That That's a problem I had with a lot of a lot of this stuff, too. Like, yeah, like, I was saying, I was going on the same thing. Like, no, they're not going to kill him like this. Come on. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. I think they well, spent the w- too much time on the, the big reveals that they want to do that... The, for some reason, they wanted to come completely out of left field and not foreshadowed at all and didn't concentrate on just, you know, how base most of the plotting was. Well, one of the hard lefts they took with the archetype of the characters that I liked by the end of the movie. During the movie, I was like on the fence about it was um, Benicio Del Toro's character. Yep. Because I was like, okay. So this is the Lando character. Yeah, yeah, he's going to betray him, but then he's going to come around. He didn't come around. 
Now, if in the third movie they bring movie. him back, see that that's that's my fear. If they if they give him a redeeming story arc in the third one, I, yeah, I'm going to sprain my eyes rolling them because yeah. that was the one thing that came out of left field that I was like, oh 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 oh, this motherfucker's just he's a he, he is the textbook definition of mercenary. He don't yeah. give a single fuck. He just I, wants to get paid. Okay, so. This is another in defense of this movie. And something that I really enjoyed about it was that it actually did do as much as it kind of shat on a lot of parts of the Star Wars universe as we know it. It also showed us a lot of things that were missing from from this universe prior. And that's being that, you know, all the characters that we've seen in all these movies, picked a side, right? Even if they waffled at some point, they were either part of the rebellion or they weren't. And the the whole scene in the, the heist in the casino and finding DJ and everything is a perfect example of that. We got to see all the people who are just getting rich off of selling weapons to both the, the rebels and the First Order. And, and and see now that I did like because that's that slice of life of the universe that we never like you said we never got before right and that deepens that universe that adds something to it doesn't shit on what was already there you know and DJ is the perfect ex- character to put in that situation even though he wasn't one of the rich guys he was just the guy who was outside of things and he was going to look out for himself and make money how he could. And that he was no different than the people that were, you know, dressed all nice and spending their money in the casino at the end of the day. But yeah, that that whole scene I really liked. Um, the well, I mean, going back to just, I mean, everything basically that happened in uh, in Snoke's chamber just looked amazing. Yeah, I was the, watching the that it, design of the Imperial Guards, which is uh, by this artist who his name I can't pronounce, but I follow him on Twitter. I didn't even know that he uh, he designed those. Looked beautiful, and there's so much of this movie that really does look just flat out beautiful. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you real quick because yeah. I don't want to forget it. Uh, and we're we're really dipping our toe into the nerd waters with this. I kind of got a David Lynch Dune vibe off of the throne room yes. and, the, and the Imperial Guards. Yes, very and, much. And for all the flaws in that David Lynch Dune, how that movie looked to me was perfect mm-hmm. for the characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, So, I, yeah, I, aesthetically, that part, I was like, oh, this is cool as fuck. And it made sense because it gave nods to the old Imperial Guards. But it moved him forward also. Mm-hmm. And the, the fight scenes, no complaints about the fight scenes. These long shots of well-trained actors doing their thing. It just And you always had a sense of space. And in, in whether it was a lightsaber battle between two people or you know an X-wing in the middle of just... You know, a hundred other CGI ships. All the battle scenes were really clear, nothing confusing about them. Totally easy to follow the action and what was going on, you know. And there are just a lot of just beautiful, 
beautiful shots in this movie. And the But what the, was with uh, the eighties cop the show vibe between Leia and Poe? You know, yeah, like that was he, all hokey. Yeah. Like yeah. that that's that bothered me too. But see, this is this is that aside. This is the first time in the, in uh, in the two movies of the new trilogy, I gave a shit about Poe. Because the first one, it was like it opens up. Mm-hmm. He's getting handed something. The old man who got who handed him something gets killed. He tries to run away. Blah blah blah. I was like, why should I care? Who is this guy? Okay, I know he's with the resistance, but. You're putting him in the middle of, of, of danger when I know that it's not real danger. He's the, 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 it's the, it's the, That movie wasn't the type of movie to where they might kill one of the main characters in the first 10 minutes. It's not like the first 10 minutes of Scream. Like when I fought, saw Scream and I saw Drew Barrymore in the beginning, I thought she was going to be there till the end. Yeah. When they killed her off, I was like, oh shit, anything goes in this movie. Anybody's fucking up for you know being on the chopping block. I- so, so I just didn't buy into. I'm supposed to have this connection with him in this movie. He actually, they seem like they tried to flesh his character out a little bit more. Now, whether you liked what they did with it or not, that's that's a personal, you know, it's personal taste. My, 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 I, I feel the same way about Ray and uh, and Kylo. I mean, I oh, didn't that, really connect with those those two characters in the first movie. I was along for the story, but I wasn't deeply involved in that. I think everything that happened between those two was perfect. I I, I think that's and, uh, clearly that's where they concentrated their energies and making sure they had decent dialogue and decent character at, interaction that made sense. Well, I mean, I've been I mean, I'm deaf on the Force Awakens with how big of a Mary Sue Ray is, but I didn't get that vibe from this one. I I, I felt like okay, all right, you know, it, and I get I get it. Okay, Wait, regardless of whatever happened last movie, let's accept that she is now some master of the Force. Moving on, but but I mean, also it's just you. She didn't. There wasn't. She wasn't the one throwing out force powers where you're going, what the fuck? Eight right. movies and I've never seen this before? How the fuck is she doing that? You know what I'm saying? With no explanation on top of it. Everything she did, it was like in line with what I expected. And I also, you know, this is, I read this theory and it, 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 it kind of makes sense. And it's kind of like some <laughs> interstellar Christopher Nolan type shit. But, you know, people were bitching, well, how the fuck she... The whole movie takes place over 36 hours, yet she goes and she trains with Luke. So what did she really train with him for? One night? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's one night on that planet. Who's to say that that planet has a 24-hour cycle like we're used to? You know what I'm saying? Like, like who's to say time is even the same? You, you earn that one. <laughs> right. It's a theory that someone put forth in a, in a, in a, in a, in a review, and I was like, you know what? That would explain a lot in the Star Wars universe. Right, that would like explain Interstellar when they go down to the planet and they come back up, and the guy's sixty years old. Exactly. Yes. That when you're in hyper, when you're in, when you're in light speed, time outside of light speed is traveling at, at at what seems to be an accelerated rate to you, but really you're the one who's slowing down time by traveling at that rate of speed. So, the, the, I was like, okay, I can. That was the only qualm I had with her with her whole 
training montage. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad they didn't start playing Survivor music from Rocky Four during it. Like yeah. when she was swinging the lightsaber at the <laughs> rock, you know. You're the yeah, best. Like, All right. I, I was waiting <laughs> for that, you know. <laughs> I don't hold a good sense of time when it comes to movies, and it's just not really that important to me. Like that didn't even occur to me. I watched, you know, a whole last season of Game of Thrones without thinking about travel time once. Oh, oh, it stuck out like a, like, a, like a green hat with an orange bill to me. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? I, it, entire seasons went by to get from the, from King's right. Landing to the north, and all of a sudden it's... It, all of a sudden, it, they had, like, Scotty beamed them <laughs> around Westeros. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I... You just go with it. To me, Game of Thrones has earned the right to go all right i have to i have to let some shit slide yeah i mean they are juggling a cast of characters that i don't think that the, the, the size and scope of that if you combine the sopranos and the wire you would not still not have as many characters and storylines going at once and they're keeping them all in the air i think pretty well and so it, you know i and on top of it it's a fucking star wars movie where space wizards are using swords made of light. Okay, yeah. I, I can but I can suspend because, disbelief. But just because you're making up the rules doesn't mean you don't have to stick to them. I mean, it's what makes things like uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorite television shows. And let me part let of, me guess, kind of because you like what's her face. Sarah Michelle Gellar, I'm totally in love with her. See, okay. <laughs> but no, but no, I resisted it. I was like, oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's super hot. There's no way I'm watching that show. I resisted it for the longest time because it didn't seem like it was... I was like, oh, that's some teen show. And what are those vampires anyways? Like, it doesn't make sense. They're not traditional vampires. They're just making up their own rules. But, you know, Joss Whedon made up his own rules for vampires. Yes. And then he stuck, he stuck to those rules Every season. He didn't just suddenly say, oh, well, I need this part where, you know, a, a character does this. So now vampires can w- walk out during the day. Let's try to explain this concept to Mandy because she made the point that Rich made because I was, she's like, like she, she's never seen Star Wars. It's all movie. fantasy. They're making yeah. it up. Anyway, yeah. She right? was, she was just placating me. Oh, how was your movie? And I started getting into it. And then that, what Rich said came out. Uh, isn't this all like, you know, aren't you believing in a talking bear and robots and lasers and shit? I'm like, yes, but you've set ground rules and you must stick by them. Even right, in your make-believe world. Like, this would have been possibly a better movie if it just wasn't a Star Wars movie. Yes, that's that's my ultimate takeaway from this. This you know is a good movie. It's not a good Star Wars movie. You know right. what it felt like? You know what it felt like? It felt like this should have been... A Netflix miniseries between movies. It's like that's how it felt to me. And and honestly, and, and, and Aaron, you said because you you know time really doesn't matter to you much in, in all this. I think because of how short I'm of very a period forgiving. of time. Well, yeah, yeah. but is it because of how short a period of time this this movie takes place over, and how it really doesn't move the story forward. Mm-hmm. That to me, this would have been better served. 
I mean, they're well. Who knows? Maybe nowadays you can get big actors to do, to do one just a one season, you know, four episode one off on Netflix or HBO or something. It'd have been better served for that. But that's just the fanboy in me wanting to move the story forward because I'm forgetting, you know, the golden rule of entertainment, especially on 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 epic, you know, sweeping s- stories like this. It's not the destination; it's the journey. Right. But I was so focused on. I want to know who Snoke is. I want to know who Ray's parents are. That I felt kind of let down by that, and then I—that's when I was like, "Wait a minute! I just watched a movie about a thirty-six hour period." And and yet Luke tells you, at the beginning of the movie, this isn't going to go how you think it's going to. Exactly. Yeah. It's like when now, Metallica was, came out with Load. It was a good. <laughs> is it, if it was not a Metallica album, it's a good rock album. Well, you know, okay, here's one thing that it, it, it did do one thing to move the plot forward, and it did it really well. And that is clearly establishing Kylo Ren as the main villain. And it, it handled the story really well, too, I, I think, of... Emo of Ren? The, of, the, of the conflict, yeah, of Emo Ren, yes. Emo Ren... Because this is the story that we never really got, right? Kylo, if Kylo Ren is the new Darth Vader, and sure, we saw Darth Vader in the original movies, and then we saw the prequel tr- trilogies that were the purpose of telling his story of how somebody you know becomes Darth Vader. But we didn't really. We were like, See, this, this guy's me- a this guy's a dick, and then. His girlfriend died, and he just gave up, right? But see, <laughs> and to me, here what, what we it, here we get to see, we get to see the actual internal struggle of somebody trying to find their way and their purpose in the universe. And Kylo found his, and it was to fucking take over. And he made that clear decision by the end of that movie. Hey, but there you go, Kylo Ren. Good example of how humor used in the last movie way better than this movie. You know the scene where. You know what was it with the two storm two stormtroopers where he's going nuts and fucking that room up and they just look at each other and keep walking. That was nope. that was good humor. That was not cheesy. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there was just so many cheesy fucking jokes in this movie. I was just well, like, what what are we doing here? Well, as far as Kylo Ren and and being emo Ren, when I first saw the prequel trilogy, especially Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, I was like. God damn. They took Darth Vader's beautiful black visage with that James Earl Jones voice and turned <laughs> him into a whiny ass fucking a fire inside fan emo bitch. Man. But now that I've seen Kylo Ren, I think that what they've established is in the Star Wars universe to become a Sith Lord. You gotta be a bitch. You gotta go through an emo bitch mode. That's part of that's part of the progression down the dark side. Because I think that's one thing that they did well as far as... Because for the most part, if you really think about it, right down to using a puppet real Yoda, not CGI, they mm-hmm. have basically ignored the prequel trilogy. And I think this was kind of a nod back to it, like, yeah, this is ultimately Anakin Skywalker's grandson, and he's, fall, he's fallen to the dark side, just like Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And he's got that... He's got that whiny bitch streak in him, just like his grandfather. And, I mean, the temper tantrums, you know, 
in 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 the Force Awakens, I was kind of like, where is this coming from? But then I then in this movie, I think it drilled home the fact that one, he wasn't the head guy, and two, I don't even think he was number two under Snoke. Hux was number two, right? And by killing Snoke, he basically had to go punk Hux and go. You know, this ain't no after-school special, motherfucker. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And that's how he rose to take over the First Order in this movie. And so that I liked. Because I'm like, okay, that's in line with how we've seen people fall to the dark side. Because we never saw any... Right. I'm sorry. We never saw Palpatine or anybody else. It was just all of a sudden, here's all these Sith Lords... And they right. don't tell you how they got to be that way in the prequel trilogies. But the whole time, they were telling you how people ended up being a Sith Lord through the Anakin story. The The only purpose to retell the stories that happened already in Star Wars is if you're going to deepen that story. And that's why I think that that part of The, of the Last Jedi was so effective. You know, it it was the retelling of Darth Vader... But it went way deeper than any version that we've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, just the... And it made sense. His character turn made sense. You didn't just be like, well, he's the bad guy, and of course he's going to be the one, you know? I I think there was honestly times, watching that movie, I was like, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what what, where Kylo Ren is going to... I didn't... I wasn't convinced that he was the bad guy and was ultimately going to give in. But well, you know, and, and it's weird that there's so much of that character development that was earned, where it just wasn't with the other characters. Yeah, um, de- definitely, definitely. Because you know, Carrie, it, Carrie Fisher was great, but nothing that her character did was earned. Well, and and to be just you know honest with the whole Luke thing, nowhere ever have we ever seen a Jedi who's alive astral project over you know hundreds of light years until that scene mm-hmm. and I'm, i was just like and he died and i didn't care that's and, that's another problem i have thing, with the movie what did he die of no feels no tears i've cried at a fucking modern family episode i didn't shed one goddamn tear i didn't get but, sad at but, all yondu still had the best death of yes, the year exactly yondu i was crying like a little bitch when yondu died Luke Skywalker dies. Pretty big fucking deal. Like, Nothing. <laughs> but 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 here's the thing. What did he die of? Y- using the force Project- too hard? Yeah. yeah, projecting too hard? He forced too hard. I mean, he forced himself to death? <laughs> I mean, it's just... like, Look, I get that... And see, here's here's something that I, I read in, uh, an article where they were talking to, to Ryan Johnson. And the way that these movies were set up originally when they did an outline for him was... Episode 7 is Han Solo's swan song. Episode 8, Luke Skywalker's. Episode 9, Princess Leia. Whoops. Yeah. You know, they, cocaine they, and yeah. ecstasy had something to say about yeah, that. Just, just, <laughs> just switch those last yeah. two. And so, I mean, I get that, you know, they, they really couldn't wrap up with a bow the Princess Leia thing. But I almost felt like I wonder once she died... If in the editing room they kind of pushed more of the uh, uh, the 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 Luke Skywalker, you know, like okay, 
well, we're not going to be able to do a big death scene with Carrie Fisher, period. You know, even though her family did give him permission to use a CGI stand-in, or a stand-in and use CGI, I just think it would be, personally, I can't imagine a situation where if they're going to do a grandiose send-off for, for Princess Leia, it's not going to come off as almost like a little bit, a, a little bit tacky. Like, oh, yeah. I'd rather you just kill her off. Super tacky, yeah. You know, or or better yet, you know, have a scene where it's implied that she's in a ship and they shoot the ship out of the air and Poe goes nuts and goes on a fucking rampage because he's the best pilot in the universe and takes out a whole yeah. squad of TIE fighters. Something along those lines. Well, you know, it, maybe that was a consideration when, you, when we're talking about it like this. It, you know, going back to the idea that the Luke scene was possibly reshot, that he originally appeared there in the flesh and not astrally projected or whatever. I mean, maybe the idea that they couldn't kill off Princess Leia here made Ryan Johnson say, well, okay, well, one of the three's got to go, so I guess it's Luke's turn now. And instead of showing up and saving the day, you know, he... he his character moment was turned into his ultimate sacrifice so that he could be the one he could be the big moment and that would make sense too in the way that it just sort of fell flat like you said i mean like we knew yondu from guardians of the galaxy one and he wasn't in that much and then he dies in two and we all cry and Luke Skywalker. We've known all of our lives, literally. All of our fucking, the first fucking movie I saw was starring this character, and he just fades away, and I go, oh, oh. so that was a thing. So that's how he dies, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Well, I will say this. Of of all of the new characters, I mean, because I, I do feel like, especially with the death of Carrie Fisher, that this was the purging of the old characters. Yeah. Obviously, they couldn't do it on screen with with Princess Leia, but she's. Not, they've already said unless J.J. Abrams goes way off the reservation and just goes rogue like a motherfucker that she's not going to be in the new movie. At right. least you know a CGI recreation of her. So I I do think they did a good job in like going okay, it's time to let go of the past in Star Wars because. The third movie in this trilogy is going to be all about the new people. The yeah. only beef I have with that is, whereas this was the this was the first time watching this movie, I gave a shit about Poe as a character. I did not give one shit about Finn, and I did not give one shit about Rose. Nope. I could not have cared <laughs> I less. I also noticed about I, yeah, either of those I enjoyed characters. their part of the story, but the characters were superfluous. They could have been any of the characters. I also noticed exactly. white males apparently can't be in the Resistance. No, nope. they're only allowed to be in the first order. <laughs> Did you guys notice uh, who who was the the gambling code breaker that they were looking for originally? Remember they they show that yeah, shot of him. They, they show they, him. They fi- it's fucking. It was Justin Thoreau from. Uh, oh, from the, the leftovers? leftovers. Yeah. Uh, oh, my shit. man, my man crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you Dude, know I'm serious. I, like if if he was like. I'm gay and I want to be gay with you. I'd be like, let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm on top. <laughs> um, 
No, it was one of the when they cut to the because he doesn't even have a line of dialogue as far as I remember. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I mean, you don't even overhear him talking in the crowd. So I was like, I kind of recognize that guy, but and he's got the eh. beard. And I, you can't rewind it. You're in a movie theater, so I was like, was eh. his name Kevin? Right. Okay, that one went over my head. Sorry. So uh, that's his character's name from Leftovers, but um, oh. you know, so knowing that, I mean, obviously, regardless of the the re, the uh, well, the critics' reviews were great for this movie. Oh, uh, it was the audience score that was ooh. lacking, and it's going but down it's every day. It's, when I saw it on Tuesday, it was at fifty-five. As of right. tonight, it well, is at fifty-three. Well, it's not going down dollar wise. I mean, well, no, it's al- it's, al- it's already the second biggest opening behind the last Star Wars movie. So it, there's no doubt that the plans for Ryan Johnson's trilogy, unless something disastrous happens, are going to go through. Dude, let's start a Me Too against him. Let's I don't. Say. I don't think there's any amount of and maybe Ryan look, Johnson touched my wiener. These might be <laughs> touched my inner child. Yeah, <laughs> inappropriately said, show, over and over. Again. Show me accusations show me are convictions now, right? So there, he's show, done. He gets show fired. Me on the, show me on the Wookiee doll where Ryan Johnson <laughs> yes. touched your childhood. Well, first of all, you're going to have to flip the Wookiee doll over. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe this new trilogy, though, all right, may, unhampered by the story that was set up by eight movies prior. Maybe they're going to be a lot better because, again, I have the design and look and feel of this I have no beef with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I don't think you. there's just as a little prediction. I don't. Th- I believe that the trilogy of movies that he's going to do, it's going to be those kids in the stable. Okay, see, it's either that or and 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 I you know I might be overselling his his role in the new trilogy. But I don't think, even if Benicio Del Toro doesn't show up in episode nine, I think he's going to be in the other trilogy that Ryan Johnson's, you know, set to, set to do. It's probably a possibility, yeah. Because I could tell that, like, I mean, first of all, it's Benicio Del Toro. I mean, if you've ever seen The Usual Suspects, all he did was chew scenery in that movie and, and love the fact <laughs> Same thing with Fear and Loathing, but he really yeah. loved the fact that he played a character with an accent that barely anyone could understand, and he ran with it. So, I mean... Oh, oh yeah. To, to be barely understandable and still stand out amongst a crowd of those actors. Yeah, definitely. It's just, yeah. It's just stunning. As a, as a job as an actor, you just have to put te- tip your hat to him. But, I mean, I think that... I got the... I was like, okay, I don't think we're done with this character... And it didn't hit me until I left, until I, you know, until I, after I'd watched the movie and I was thinking about it, I was like, wait a minute, Ryan Johnson's doing his own standalone trilogy. That's where they could bring him back. I mean, this could be the end of him as far as the star, you know, the, not Star Wars, the Skywalker part of Star Wars. But this could have just been like prologue to his role yeah. in, in that trilogy. Yeah, this clearly wasn't DJ's redemption story, but maybe that story is still out there. Now, the one thing I do, of all of the things we've talked about, I do really like the fact that this movie, even though I don't necessarily like how they went about doing it at all times, I like the fact that they 
that 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 Disney allowed Ryan Johnson to absolutely destroy your expectations for what's coming in episode nine. I yeah, absolutely, Rich. I was thinking the same thing that you can't really have it both ways. You know, if you want somebody to come in and and shake things up with their version of Star Wars you're going to have to expect that you're not going to like every decision that they made. I think it's just that a lot of the decisions here just kind of seem like a personal slap in the face to fans. And, well, and that's that's why they, it got the reviews it did. But I I applaud the chances taken. I also think that it, we're kind of... And there's been a few articles I've read. I do the, not. <laughs> there's been a few articles and reviews I've read that have that have touched on this, but... Well, that's a nice attempt, at least. <laughs> it, it this movie more so than any other movie in the Star Wars, you know, universe so far, pretty much made the point to the fans that you may love these characters, you may feel that you have a connection with these characters, but these aren't your characters. They're they're not going to always act, live, and die how you think they should. In 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 this universe of this of this franchise, and as as yeah, as they're totally as, proactive and in your face. As 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 much as as much as the 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 fan the hardcore fanboys, a lot of them have bristled at that. I think, it, like I said, it also adds an element of danger to it because in that last in the last movie in this trilogy, I think everyone's on the chopping block when you walk in there. At any. Like I would not be surprised if there's a handful like Ray and maybe like Rose even are only ones left standing at the end of the of episode nine. Now you got J.J. Abrams who tends to you know I I don't well I believe the actress who plays Ray said she's only doing these three. Well there you go. I mean I so I mean it it I I. I that I like because no matter what, even as a kid, I never thought Han Solo was going to die. I never thought Luke was going to die. I, you know, I knew I knew that Mace Windu had to die in the prequel trilogy. It was just let's get to it. You know, what I'm saying it's going to happen because obviously all the Jedi have been you know all but wiped out except for a handful of them by the time the original trilogy started. But I mean. There was never any danger. I was never like, oh, man, this character, you know, who is a main character might not make it. I think right. episode nine, it's set up that way. Now, if they don't cash in on it, that's one thing. But I think they would be stupid not to to play off that tension because it's perfectly set up for it. I mean, anything goes because this just... didn't because this didn't move the story forward as far as far as a two, three month period in in that you know, in the Star Wars universe, they're going to have to cram a whole lot of shit into episode nine. Oh, and yeah. The one thing I'm afraid of is they're going to be pull... like the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my fear is they're going to pull a, uh, uh, a Deathly Hollows, you know, 11th hour surprise on you and turn it into two movies because there's so much shit they're going to try to cram in there. And if they do that, I don't know how much more of my fucking. My dignity, I can give to Star Wars. I mean, well, seriously, it's I like don't know. I, I, I'm still enjoying them all. Like, if I was to sum up my review of the Last Jedi, I'd say 
you know, the, the things that I loved and the things that I hate were more extreme in this than compared to The Force Awakens. But I'd still say it came out as a better movie. I, yeah. I, I think I overall enjoyed it as a better film than I did The, uh, the Force Awakens. I yeah, do, and, and, and I cannot say that. Well, well, Chris, this is this is how I can say that. I didn't feel like it, okay. Case in point, Ray. I didn't feel like it was we were getting you know okay, strong, independent woman, and we're going to shove it down your throat. Don't stop holding my hand. I don't need you to hold my hand and all that shit that she did with Finn in the in the Force Awakens. It felt like really we get it. We get it. She's a tough. She's she's a, she's a tough. She's a tough bitch. We get it. You don't have to keep telling us this. She's not Rosie the Riveter. Everybody, calm the fuck down. In this movie, she was allowed to be a character, just yes. a character in the movie. She wasn't supposed to be something to be held up as some shining example of, you know, of 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 an example of, to young girls and all that bullshit. And I, because they allowed her to be a character, I actually liked her character in this movie. Yeah, more than a- more than the first one. When 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 Luke said, "Where's Han?" the look on her face because I don't think Daisy Daisy Ridley is all that great of an actor. I've seen her in a, in a few clips of other things, and nothing she's ever done is like left me going, "Wow, that's that's good acting." She's all but right, that, though. she's competent. In that scene, the look on her face, I was like, "Oh, okay, she can emote. She does more than just sit there with the Freddie Prince Jr. duh look on her face." <laughs> You know, okay. You know, or her overly toothy gum to, to to tooth ratio smile. You know, I mean, you know. So, I, yeah, we we got to see a, a lot more of. I mean, she, she had the same kind of experience that uh, that Kylo was having. They were both in conflict. You know, they ended up making clearly different decisions by the end of that. But I I think we got to see a lot more of. In her and in Kylo, of the personal conflict that that leads to those decisions, and not just like, oh, well, these guys are the rebels, and therefore they're the good guys, and of course they're my team. It's you know, the, really the a one movie thing, for the times, though. You know, when we're so polarized. The, <laughs> like if the, you don't the, if you don't say I hate Nazis in your Twitter handle, then you are a Nazi. A Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now, one thing this movie did that I didn't expect whatsoever was it, it, it made me come to terms with my strange crush on Laura Dern. Oh, I've always. I it started with why it started with wild. It started with wild at heart. Sailor. And, <laughs> and I, and, and then I saw fat man and little boy and I've seen her, you know, on and off throughout the years. And I'm just like. Why is it she's getting older and hotter to me? Do I got a grandma fetish I don't know about? Because I kind of think Carol <laughs> from The Walking Dead's hot too. Oh like, yeah, I, totally. Like, I, I, like I don't know if I would find her as attractive if I met her real person, you know, like Carol. But her character, I'm like, I can get past the gray hair. Who am I to talk about gray hair? Start going grade <laughs> eighteen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, her character. I was afraid. I like. I had heard at, at like the last minute she was in the movie. I had no idea she was in the movie until about a week before it premiered, and I was like, "Oh shit, here we go. They're going to shoehorn in her character as some sort of leader in the resistance, and it's going to come off as shit." 
and it's going to feel out of place and forced. And it did. When 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 Leia was in whatever the well, not a Bacta tank or what you know, he, resting after her Mary Poppins expedition in the space. Yes, <laughs> in her uh, hyperbolic chamber, um, you know, and she took over. I was like, okay, it works. Like I, it, it, for all my gr- all my like little nitpicking beefs with the the sometimes too slapsticky comedy the it some you know certain things took me out of the the movie i think ryan johnson did a much better job of making the characters just human because when i watched the force awakens it was i'm watching characters act the way i expect them to act and it was. It felt like it was a big commercial for the toys. Like you're gonna go get, right. you know, like if you're a little kid, you're gonna get your little Ray figure and your Finn figure and have them running around. And it, it was just like, like I said, it, basically the 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 Poe Dameron situation. I kind of felt all over, except for Han and Chewie in The Force Awakens, which was why should I care about any of these characters? And like this one, I, it, I, I, you know, even though I walked out kind of like conflicted, I'm like, I did give a shit about the characters. I mean, to be honest with you, when I saw Yoda, I was like, oh shit, that I was not expecting that. And it wasn't the prequel Yoda. This was the kind of smart assy. He's talking that shit. Talking shit, yeah. Empire Strikes Back Yoda, you know, and I was like, okay, he gets, he gets it, he gets at least the characters in this, in this, and I, I, why I, and I, and why I wasn't exactly thrilled with Luke's story arc. I, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you, Aaron. He got, he, he did everything he did was in character with what we've known of the Skywalker bloodline. You know, right. Luke came close to 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 maybe falling to the dark side, but he didn't, but he was still kind of a whiny bitch at times in this movie. And once right. again, I mean, what, the path to the was... dark side isn't hate and anger, it's being a whiny emo bitch. So, Right. I mean, like the, the Skywalker line, his, his, those genes are fraught with addiction. And... To, Addiction to to power, what we're really talking about here, and and sure, Luke didn't you know go on to be the the shining hero example of what a Jedi should be in this movie, but at least he got into AA and <laughs> and, and stopped feeding his addiction. Okay, real quick, because I found in in reading people talking about it, a lot of people miss this. When Finn went to get the blanket for Rose, did you notice that the Jedi texts were in yes, that drawer? I did see okay. it. Okay. Because so many people were like, well, Yoda burned the tree with the text in it. Right. So because he Somebody said anything anything, anything that Ray needs to know, anything that's in these books, Ray already knows. So fuck it. Now there can never be a new Jedi order. And to me, the little kid at the end using the Force to grab the, the broom... And the mm-hmm. fact that those those texts were saved, whether they ultimately explore a new Jedi Order or not, they've much like Detroit set Kwame up for a comeback. They've set that storyline up if they want to go down that road at some point. To have a friend and, that said that it's supposed yeah. to tell you that it doesn't end with Luke. It's it's well, always right. it's always it's always going to be. 
as as much as Ryan Johnson wanted to subvert our expectations for what Star Wars movie was, what the Force means, and what it can do, and wanted to to play with that and and fuck with that, he at least did give us an alternative. He didn't just go everything you know is wrong and then not try and give us a hint at the truth, the way he saw it, you know, and that little example at the end of the movie of the kid grabbing the broomstick with the force was right in line with what Luke was saying and what Yoda was saying that the power of the force doesn't exist in the traditions in the you know special locations or certain bloodline it isn't confined to that it's it's a universal force and you know people can just learn to tap into it yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like that was almost retconning the whole midichlorians thing. Yeah, yeah, again, another big middle finger <laughs> to the prequels. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately our verdict is, Chris, you would if we're going to do the, the, the Siskel and Ebert, you gave it a thumbs down, you'd oh, say? Oh, this is, this, this is near the bottom of my rankings. This oh, is, yeah, well, look. Let me ask this question: Do you do you at least ha- hold out any hope that Episode Nine is going to be any good? Yeah, because J.J. Abrams is going to be writing it. Okay, I guess that's my my yeah. my, my problem was all the- sto- it, it wasn't a cohesive story to me. That that's like my, ultimately my whole bitch is J.J. Abrams to me is just a better storyteller. I guess I think you okay. So yeah, the, I think you're absolutely right on that. J.J. Abrams does a better job of putting together the bigger story and and hitting those plot points. J.J. Abrams to, to made move, me... To move you through that story, where Ryan Johnson is much better at character development and making you actually give a shit about the characters, which can do a lot to forgive a lot of the bigger plot holes and just things happen because that, that go down in The Last Jedi. Well, Ryan Johnson, if you've seen Brick, which is the only other... yet. Okay. I haven't yet. I've been told that I should. Brick is the only other movie of his I've seen that I know of, unless I've seen one and didn't know it. Did you see Looper? No, I haven't okay. seen Looper. Um, Looper's decent. It's fun. Uh, when you see Brick, you get, and then you, I, I've seen Brick, and now I've seen his take on Star Wars. He gets, not necessarily, like you said, the overall story, as he doesn't do it as well as J.J. Abrams, but he definitely mm-hmm. gets the idiosyncratic parts of characters. And when you see Brick, you know what I'm talking about. Right down, to that movie has it, it. Almost feels like you're watching a movie, and it's it's like it's like the first time you see Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. You're not really sure when it's set. It could yeah. kind of be in the late '70s, but wait a minute, I see cars from the '80s and '90s, but they all act like they're in the '70s. Maybe you know what I'm saying. That's how Brick was, and it was based solely on the idiosyncrasies the characters had. So now that I've seen two of his movies, I know that that wasn't an accident. Right. And if if his new trilogy, to me, if Disney has any brains, they'll fucking be more hands-off than they were with this, a.k.a. let's really not push the, 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 the pogs or whatever the fuck. You know, right. kids are going to see the movie no matter what. And let him develop new characters that he's come up with in his way, I think it'll be fine. I think that trilogy will be in good hands. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. 
Now, I mean, overall, I give this a thumbs up, but I, I got to say, and I know this isn't judging by people online's reaction to, to rank the Star Wars movies, outside of the, the original trilogy stands on its own, and then the rest of the movies start. And as far as I'm concerned, Rogue One is still post-original trilogy, the high watermark. Yes. I just I didn't feel like this movie was as good as Rogue One, and I thought it was better than The Force Awakens. Thought it was better than the first two of the, the prequels. Maybe I'm looking at the, the the you know Revenge of the Sith with uh, rose-colored glasses, but I even thought that was like it's on par with that. Like I just. I wasn't. I was. I didn't leave the movie like hyped up. Like, oh shit. Yeah. No. I'm. I think I'm right there with you, Rich. You know, the the original trilogy tops anything. I think this movie is better than anything that was done in the prequels, and only second to Rogue One in the the modern versions. I yeah, that, and I thought this right under the Sith, but right, <laughs> but right before Attack of the Clones. <laughs> see now and here's here's where hindsight is 2020 because when i left attack of the clones i was so fucking pumped up and hyped i couldn't because you gotta remember there was three years between oh those God, movies i hated attack but attack, here's the thing you know why clones? i was hyped why i got i got i got drunk on the kool-aid to see and fucking yoda finally in a lightsaber fight uh, yeah yeah once, once I, I, it came out on because I only saw it once in the theaters. It came out on DVD. I immediately went to Meyer, bought it at twelve oh one, went home, popped it in, and halfway through it, I went, I don't like sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. How the fuck did I think this was a good movie? <laughs> I was sober. Now, to me, to me, this is in a category with. Uh, it's in the basket with Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Is I've seen it. We're good. No, I was also blinded by Natalie Portman in those tight white pants. Good luck. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And I think I'm with you, Rich. I think I, I like Revenge of the Sith more than probably the average Star Wars fan. I don't know. I thought was the, Out of those three, I thought it was the best one. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah, just because it was getting you set up for a new hope, and maybe you're, you're drinking a little bit of that Kool-Aid. I don't know. But... I mean, I, 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 and and I just had to say this because I didn't know if we were going to bring up the Rotten Tomatoes thing. I can't take anything that's user reviewed on anything like Rotten Tomatoes serious anymore because I've spent too much time on 4chan and I know that there are groups of people that will just spam negative reviews on something just to do it. So I got to believe that 53%. Give it another. 10, 15 percentage points of, you know, thumbs up. And that's probably where that movie actually sits. Because I've seen people... They, guys, there's a petition to make this movie non-canon that's being circulated <laughs> online. All right. If that's not the most 4chan shit I've ever heard, as far as Star Wars goes, I don't know what is. That is just like, are you serious? Like, Disney's going to go, oh, 100,000 people signed this online? Well, then fuck it. We're going to redo it. We're going to take a mulligan on this one. 
It was what all does a that treat. Even do what is that? Yeah. Even? It's so meaningless. Like what? So you can win the arguments that you get into when you go to comic book conventions. Like while well, that movie wasn't canon, so that doesn't count. Your argument is moot. <laughs> I kind of feel like yeah, that's exactly what it is. Bo- Bo- Boba Fett would still beat Captain Phasma in a fight because Captain Phasma is non-canon. Oh, I do have to say this now. That's something that it slipped my mind. She got short shrift. That is an absolute waste of that character. I know, man. What the fuck is the point of putting her in the in the in the in the series whatsoever? JJ is probably going to bring back some fucked up Darth Vadery version of her, though. I mean, you know, like she probably she, just lost her limbs. She didn't have shit to do in the first movie, really. Yeah, and I remember the pre, you know, the 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 hype surrounding this one. Like the leaks, quote unquote, that was coming from this movie, the set of this movie was, you're not going to be disappointed. She's got a, it, her role is much more integral to the story in this one. You're not going to be disappointed. And then when they killed her, I was like, I'm disappointed. <laughs> like, like yeah, this is I, the definition of disappointed. I was totally not disappointed when she was on screen. But that wasn't nearly enough, and they didn't give her character enough to do. Look at Disappointed Dictionary. You know his picture is by right now? Mine. <laughs> it's a picture of me going, what the fuck? <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So is, is, is Captain Phasma, this trilogy's Boba Fett? She's a cool character oh, yeah. that everyone really likes that absolutely did dick through the movies for, like, when you really think about it? Yep. Fair. See? See? Disney sneaking in that fucking it's all the circle of life shit on us. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you, you, you or think it's we all it about up? the toy sales. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> well, judging I do have to say this, judging by cuz she was remember the, the we were talking a few weeks ago about the the Star Wars video game that came out Battlefront. She yeah. was a character that they released after the release of the game and she's like crazy overpowered so that i was like oh shit she's gonna be fucking shit up in the new movie and then just the absolute opposite of that (laughs) no turns out she's like a black guy in a horror movie right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i i i i'm i let's put it this way i have more hope for episode nine than i do the Han Solo movie that comes out next Christmas. Oh, it's on its third director? Whoa. Yeah, that movie, Whoa, I'm going why into... Why don't you have any faith in that? I'm... <laughs> well, you know, I guess Ron Howard was quoted as saying that he reshot way more of that movie than he intended to. So, I don't... Maybe it won't be the totally stitched together mess that, like, Justice League was. But well, who knows? But didn't Ron Howard he, bail? No, no, no. no. He, no. He's, he's wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, the, now, the, the thing that I think is probably going to save me on that movie is I have zero expectations of that movie being good. So right. if I walk in there and it's just a good popcorn movie, that's nothing but gravy on the mashed potatoes. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I think that's probably, that's probably why I like The Force Awakens so much. <laughs> I mean, after the, the prequels, the, the fact that it was a good popcorn movie... I was like, all right, cool. Right. You know? And again, J.J. Abrams made me care about a three-hour commercial. I mean, again, it's a nod to his storytelling. 
Absolutely. Well, speaking of so, three-hour commercials and four-hour podcasts, Jesus, guys. Yeah, it's about time to wrap it up. Yeah. So, yeah, just thank you. It's Wait, no, not last show of the year. That's next week. So, no, but Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, Merry Christmas. We can Happy say Merry Christmas. We can say Merry Christmas again. Yeah. We never could not say Merry Christmas. Yeah, remember that time when Obama was president and everyone was getting arrested for saying Merry Christmas? Yeah. That's right after, yeah, he came in and slept with all the white women. All right? Those, all those eight Decembers that never happened. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy your holiday. Whatever the fuck you said. Well, yeah, Hanukkah, it's over. Hope you had a good Hanukkah. Hanukkah's already done. But whatever you celebrate, happy it. And follow us on Twitter at UnregimentedPod and email the show on UnregimentedChristopherMedia.net. We'll see you next week. See ya. Uh, all right, later, guys. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net and thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.